0: We are on this baby. Yeah, you know it. All right, like proper podcasters. Yeah, we're like professionals, only not even. (laughs) you know someone might attribute that attribute to us but it wouldn't be us
1: i mean Um, if you if you take professional as just like one who has done the job before i suppose
0: if you've received income for doing it usually is what i would assume is a professional which i don't think we have (laughs) if you think you're making money on this show you're so wrong we
1: we are actually actually kind of like we're paying to do this in a way
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, time is money. (laughs) Well, (laughs) not only time, but, like, you know, we're paying Humble Bundle, and then we're giving out our games (laughs) this month. That was the thing that we did. Yeah, we did. We're we're starting to give out some games to all you active listeners. Uh, If you're interested, follow us on Twitter. Come on. Okay. Here's the deal. Come to our
1: Discord. We, we can plug, but we have to introduce ourselves first,
0: okay? Nah, Mine... they don't need to know who we are. <laughs> we are the ambiguous bodies that float inside your ears and present you with the opportunity to earn free games.
1: Hi there, it's editor David coming at you again, regrettably the night of the podcast that uh, we recorded it earlier today and I'm here. Because uh, we didn't say our names and we should have. So my name is David Baxter. My co-host is Johnny Bartlett. Anyway, back to the show. Sorry, we're a bunch of knuckleheads. Would you like free games? That's right. Follow our Twitter and our Reddit and our Discord and all of the things. And you one day might get one of our free games.
0: Oh, it's such a good deal. I promise you. Just sign the deal with the devil. Exchange your support for our eternal and dying gratitude. <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> for, for Let's be stuff, real. I mean, no. You're all consumers. We know what you want. You don't want our support and gratitude. You want stuff. We
1: know you're a slut for stuff, and we will give you stuff, okay?
0: We'll give stuff all day long. We got so much stuff to give. Don't
1: promise them that much stuff. We don't have that much stuff in the budget.
0: Oh, shit. Wait, we have a budget now?
1: I mean, like, our budget is, like, our bank account, I think.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, uh, we're, like, heavily out of work, so... (laughs) And
1: I'm super (laughs) unemployed, so... (laughs) Thanks, David. Have you applied? (laughs) I mean, I did apply for unemployment, and it did finally go through. Uh, Yeah, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to get a job doing
2: anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Truck drivers are doing great. They were having a bad time there for a minute before COVID, and now it's all the rage for truck drivers.
0: <laughs> you know, someone's got to keep the infrastructure running. Yeah,
1: until automation takes over.
0: Yeah. yeah. World's a weird place. We're World going is. down a weird path.
1: Well, you know, automation actually has a lot to do with the games that we're playing this month.
0: It really does. Automation, I mean, there's Zachatronic games, so of course automation has a play. <laughs> he,
1: he, all of his games are about automation in some way.
0: Yeah, it is literally just like, how can people be machines, or or how can can people develop machines to sort of help themselves? <laughs> how will technology be the inevitable catalyst of the revolution? Yeah,
1: dude, you gotta get him on the podcast. God, <laughs>
0: I would love, Z- yo, Z- Zachatronics, Zachatronics uh, buddy, buddy pal. If you're listening, if you're listening, if this has happened to stumble in your feed at some point in time, some way, somehow, like hit us up dm us because like we would love to have a huge discussion with you about like
1: I'm gonna pick that little brain
0: yeah the world and technology's role in it and people and all that jazz
1: yeah especially i also just am curious to hear about like because he has been with humble bundle for so long like yeah i got his game space chem in 2011 and it was one of the first humble bundles ever Uh, and, like, he has been with them for so long, I'd almost be curious to hear what he has to say about his relationship with just, like, that company as well, because we have so much to do with that company, at least with our podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That would be fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sort of an insider perspective.
0: Well, should we jump into this?
1: Sure. That seems like a good segue. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it does. Insider perspective. Uh, speaking of insiders and their perspective, uh, this month's games,
1: they are Gris
0: since, right in 5, Director's Cut. Uh, Whoop Whoop, This is the Police, 2. True Barbrook. Driftland, The Magical Revival. Capitalism 2. Hitman, 2. Ooh, Shopkeep, 2. Uh, The Bard's Tale, 4. Director's Cut. And Turok 2, Seeds of Evil. And then, of course, Opus Magnum. Whoa, that's a lot of games. Yeah, and I tried to read them as obnoxiously as possible. So if you've tuned out at this point, uh, then I'm not surprised. And if if that you're was still your most here, obnoxious? then come on. I mean, okay, we could. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got what I what I call my universal accent, in which it's every accent at once, and I could do that.
1: Sure. Can I hear it? Just I want to hear it just for Opus Magnum.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Opus Magnum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 fuck, fuck, perfect. All right, cool. Let's get into it. <laughs>
0: All right, let's get into it. Uh, you want to take us away with Gris to begin with? Yeah, man. Gris was
1: cool. Gris is a game by uh, Normata Studios with help from Bitworks. This is their first game, and it is published by Devolver, which I mentioned just because I love Devolver. as a publisher. They were there in the last bundle, too, uh, with my friend Pedro. Uh, this is a very aesthetically cool-looking game, man. It's for people who short uh, really enjoy just kind of short, uh, aesthetic platformers. Uh, and I am just going to say that this might hit really hard, especially if you're dealing with, like, the death of a close family member, actually. Because uh, I started to realize, and this is getting into spoiler territory, so uh, just know that, that uh, I think this game and I've got a lot of evidence to back this up but is a metaphor for grief and uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed that, that like this game sort of took and it's it's something that I've seen before, mind you there, there was this shmup game, I wish I remembered the name of it, but it was the five stages of grief it might have just been called grief or sorrow or something like that The game I was referring to in this segment was Solace. It was made by students at Digipens, the Institute of Technology. Anyway, back to the show. And it was like a shmup where you went through, like, denial, and you went through uh, anger, and then bargaining, and uh, all the different stages uh, leading, finally, to uh, acceptance. And uh, this game has that same sort of feeling uh, from the color palette as well, which has this sort of very beautiful uh, watercolor sort of aesthetic to it that, uh, is just hard to look away from man my eyes were just like (laughs) pasted on the screen the whole time I played this game I I expected it to be a lot longer but honestly just how short it was it was just like this little sweet contained story that like didn't last any longer than it needed to and I really liked that about it um it was uh divided into kind of four to five main sections and each uh, section is, uh, I think, reinforced to be a stage of grief by the Steam achievements, which go through uh, the different stages uh, from the beginning to the end of the game. Uh, And the mechanics uh, also reinforce this idea, because there's no death in this game. It's like a Metroidvania-style game, where you're kind of exploring and then getting new powers and then uh, using those powers to explore in other new areas. But um, it uses that as a sort of way to sort of as a metaphor of growing and sort of overcoming and adapting to challenges that are in front of you and sort of like uh, taking this young girl and sort of saying like, all right, well, she's getting blown away by the wind in this segment. So what does she do to adapt? She turns into like this heavy cube. And then later on, she needs to get higher up to this other spot. So she learns to uh, jump. And then later on, uh, when there's no other like kind of way forward, you learn how to sing again and you learn how to speak again. As if your character had been mute the whole game up until that point because, like, of, of the trauma that they had experienced. And then once you can sing, you like, flowers start growing around and you're able to, like, sort of an, it, affect the environment in new ways. Uh, and sort of, like, the world comes alive as your character comes alive. Uh, huh. And I, I thought that was all really cool. There's also, a, a, this is again a spoiler... Uh, an ending that is a secret ending that you get once you collect all the different uh, collectibles. I didn't personally get it. I did just look it up because I didn't have the time. But uh, when you do, it reveals that uh, all of the stars that you're collecting in the game that you assemble into constellations in the sky are the constellations that you, uh, the main character, Gris, would uh, look at with her mother before she died. Uh And so the whole game is sort of coming to a sense of realization from these sort of oncoming sense of grief that sort of it follows you around and it takes multiple forms of like an eel and a sparrow that sort of chases you uh and then at the end you finally overcome it
0: Uh, that sounds amazing fuck
1: yeah it's a really really cool game uh and i appreciate games that like are not afraid to be short that that have just something to say about the world and they say it and they go like i really respect
0: that and so. it, it seems like a really, like, artistic and beautiful metaphor to capture it all in.
1: Yeah, and it was just so, like... <sighs> it, it felt like like a director had something that they wanted to say about, like, a, a personal life experience that they could only tell through a game. And that's, so, that's is, really cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting seeing how those, like, really personal stories like that translate into such a... Uh, a seemingly universal medium that like puts players so much in control that it it seems like they'd have to be closer to the event in order to really understand it but but it still successfully conveys the message and everything
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so and it's super chill it's just really fun and pleasant and pretty so i highly recommend it if that sounds like something that you would enjoy because chances are you probably will
0: hell yeah all right, well let's 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 uh ease into a little bit of Zachatronics here, right? Yeah, we'll we just, got another we'll just... Zachatronics. Oh baby, we got two of them this month, and God, these ones, both of these games, if if you've been struggling to play a Zachatronics game, uh, these games are great for for you. They're not as lower bar of entry. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a much less bol- lower there's a lower <laughs> bar of in. You know, I'm just repeating the thing you said at this point. Uh, you you take it. You win this
1: one. You got sure thing. it. Molixynth is a game by Zachtronics. <laughs> so you make chemicals that eventually get to be more illicit. From what I hear, I never played it myself.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, so synth is like it, it. It's interesting because I thought it was originally one of Zachatronic's early games, but after looking up the date. Uh, it's actually one of his most recent games. And it's so interesting seeing his, like, development and what's led him to this place because Molech's sense presents itself as something entirely different than all the other works I've seen him do because it's it's this, like, very minimalistic and sort of abstract storytelling that most of his other games didn't have. Mm. They, they have, like, cut scenes and uh, dialogue trees and stuff, but this game is literally just... You solve a puzzle, and you get a black box with some white text that gives you, like, a line of dialogue, and that's it. There, There's no other information given. Um, And I, I found that fascinating, because you have to, like, extrapolate so much from the things you're doing in the game and what is happening and the progression of the gameplay and not just the dialogue. And it, it gets into all these themes and ideas of... uh, It's a reoccurring thing in Zachtronics games of medicine and pharmaceuticals and the role that drugs play in our lives mm. uh yeah and, and what what's a good drug versus a bad drug and how the the same drugs that get us high are just like a few atoms away from the same drugs that kill us yeah and <laughs> it's it, it's super fascinating and and it's this idea of like from from the very minimal dialogue you get you you understand that the world has collapsed and The predominant cause of that was the drug industry and the way they regulated and controlled drugs and what they released to the public and what they deemed as illegal. And you find your character is in this sort of like anarcho state of recreating all the drugs from the old world. And there's this sort of implication on his responsibility of recreating these and what does it mean and how much power does he have? Yeah, it's super cool. And you get all of this just from, like, very minimal lines of dialogue. It's like if you could recreate, like, uh, the, the
1: splitting of the atom for, like, the first time. And, like, exactly, like, would you do it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Shit,
2: man. And,
0: and yeah, and, and it's so great because, like, the character is angsty, and like, you, you get a line of dialogue that's like, uh, they, they'll see, they'll see how much power I really have now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get another line of dialogue that's like, the kids stole my formaldehyde, what would they want with that? To so...
1: hide a body, to store it. <laughs> It's know.
0: it's so interesting. Yeah, this sort of like dichotomy of this like weird, angsty sort of um anarcho character and what he's doing and the way it plays into his his role in society. And then like this whole background narrative of the world collapsing and where you are now. It's so weird. And you can track so much of the character's development simply through the puzzles. Like that is that is the the heart of this game is knowing the chemical compositions of what you're making (laughs) and what those drugs are. Cause you go from like making really simple stuff like oxygen, uh, to making like MDMA. (laughs) Like, so the jump is insane. You're going from like making, you know, insulin or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're making fucking DMT.
1: They're only like, (laughs) I mean, if you really think about it from like sort of a chemist perspective, they're only like a couple of operations and chemical sort of equations away from being those
0: substances. like Exactly. And like, as you're solving the puzzles, you realize that it's like, oh, I put six carbon atoms in this orientation, but moving this one there, putting a nitrogen here, uh, and then an oxygen here, all of a sudden made it DMT. Fuck, I, I really love chemistry too. So this game sounds like way cool. It's so cool. It's fascinating. And just like trying to parse together the storyline and everything. Oh, it's totally incredible and i i think it is definitely worth it for anyone who wants a very a much lighter entry into Zachatronics, but that still makes you think about these sort of issues
1: rock on man so a a good entry point for Zachtronics. hell yeah hell yeah speaking of entry points the next game up on the list here ryden 5 director's cut developed by uh, Moscow LTD, who previously made Raiden 4 and Raiden 3, as well as uh, Caledrius Blaze. All three of those are just really, you know, bullet hell schmuck <laughs> games. So they're they're all kind of like Raiden games in a way. Uh, this game I was kind of uh, surprised by because normally shmup games uh, are known for their difficulty. And this one was not hard. Like at all. Shmup
2: games are?
1: Let, let, like bullet hell. Like yeah. shmup games. Yeah. And like this one was not hard at all, even remotely. Hmm. The reason why is because I think design-wise it's kind of buggered a little bit by the fact that there's <laughs> infinite respawns and you can just infinitely respawn and get to the end of the game. It It wants you to replay to get a higher score, but that just isn't as valuable of a a thing for me as a player than perhaps it might have been if I would lived in, like, the 80s or something, where points mm-hmm. mattered a lot more for games. And I just don't... I have no desire to try to get, like, a high score. And also, there's, like, really weird mechanics in this game that are completely unique to this one. Like, there's a cheer system that, um... If you, like, press a button in the game when somebody else does some cool things, then you'll give them a cheer that they can then use to, like, destroy a whole bunch of stuff on screen... So it's sort of like this semi-asynchronous multiplayer mechanic where like, just by pressing a button you'll give other people things, but that just basically means that if no one's playing the game then you just don't get a bunch of upgrades to your thing as you're playing the game, and it makes it objectively harder so like i see kind of why they released it during the humble bundle because that gives a a whole bunch of people more copies of the game to make that cheer mechanic (laughs) actually function the way that it's fucking supposed to so i did get cheered at a lot while i was playing this game and that's probably thanks to this bundle (laughs) Um, that's so fun because it does have mixed reviews on steam and i i think that uh, a lot of people were sort of railing against the same sort of things that uh, i was having problems with but that being said if you're new to the genre I feel like this is actually a pretty decent like shmup game in that sense because uh, there's there's very little risk to, like, uh it, it, you know, you're not going to like lose a ton of progress every single time you die. Uh, you can play the whole thing in an evening and just get to the end, and then it's kind of fun. There are multiple endings, too, but, like, I honest to God can't figure out how to go down the different paths because it's just a single straight <laughs> path that you constantly shoot things down, and there are multiple different paths and endings, but I don't know how to get them. How do you... You, there's no multiple choice answers in uh, a shmup Points? game, you know. Um, but but it's sort of like the idea if you if you've never played a shmup game before and you're just wondering what why the hell I keep even saying that. Um, <laughs> the the basic idea with these games is that you're pretty much always shooting with one button, uh, and that button is like your primary attack. And the only time that you don't want to shoot is to collect resources. Like you stop shooting, and then things like hover into you. And it's sort of like this yin-yang of, like, you want to be always shooting until you have to collect resources, and then you keep shooting. Uh, And then, on top of that, you also have, like, bombs that you can use that are just, like, a a wave clear instantaneously, so you have to kind of strategically think of when to use those. Again, in this game, you don't have to think as strategically, because you can just die and get more. Uh,
0: (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) So,
1: you know, it's got a lot of design issues. I think, and it also even is just down to, like, the basic, like, sound mixing of the game. Like, when you first play the game, the sound mixing is just so bad that I can't even hear what any of the characters are saying while they're talking. They're, like, all anime characters off on the side of the screen, like, oh, having no. their own deal while, like, you're having this sensory overload of, like, a million things and one happening on screen and, like, explosions left and right and you can't hear a word of what the dialogue is supposed to be happening. And it's, like, not even a very good story, anyway, when you do follow it. Like, a, you, you defeat, like, this pirate queen, and then she ends up piloting a ship and saves people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The only well interesting thing about it was, like, the ending, which I don't even know if it was the, like, canon ending, because it was one out of four. But uh, it, you just go back home and Earth. You, you look at Earth and you're like, "Oh, we must be at the wrong planet. It looks like Mars." And then you read the sans- like sensors again. and It's like, "Nope, that's Earth. It's just red and barren now," because oh shit, like you didn't do it fast enough, or maybe like you didn't kill enough of them, or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So that was interesting. But other than that, seems like a tricky one. Yeah. No, I mean there are better shmup games like Jamestown and Ikaruga and that kind of thing. So. If you want to play a really good one i'd recommend some of those rather than this game but if you're if you're looking for just a cheap game on this bundle cycle and uh just wanted to try out the genre i think this is a good pick
0: okay fair enough uh well i have a heck of a conversation next
1: yeah this one might get some people riled up actually
0: uh it certainly got me riled up uh (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's talk about This Is The Police 2. Oh boy. Uh This is a game from Weepy Studios who did This Is The Police 1 and Rebel Cops. Uh from what I've seen and heard, This Is The Police 1 was great and I feel like I could have had the potential to enjoy This Is The Police 2. But the developers uh I, and I, I don't think this by was by any fault intentional or anything. I, I think it was just accidental. I think it was just sort of a a, a narrative well, thing. Well, like,
1: do you think that they were trying? Because like what we're gonna talk about is misogyny, and like yeah, do you think that that they were that that they they wanted to make a message about misogyny and that it fucked up or or what? Like, I
0: think so. I I mean I I like to give people credit and hope that people have the best intentions at heart. Yeah. Um. And and this game, so this game deals with a lot of very misogynistic issues. Uh, the main character, at least to start, is a female sheriff of a police station. Mm. And the whole time she is getting shat on for being a female sheriff of the police station. She's repeatedly called, you know, terribly incompetent. No one listens to her. No one's willing to confess to her. Uh, all of the men constantly step in to save the day, so to speak. Um and And that's like that is the problem I found with this game, is that it it wanted to talk about these issues of misogyny, it seems, and like women's place in the workforce, especially in a a boys' club job, like a police force. Um, but it didn't handle it in a nuanced way at mm. all. Uh, I think the fault lies they they made this character that was painted in a very misogynistic light that was demonized by her peers and her co-workers, uh, and then they made her an embodiment of that. Rather than making her a strong, developed character that was fighting against these issues, they made the issues right in their presentation of the character. So the whole time you're playing like she is she is incompetent. She admits several times she's too incompetent. She hires a man who's a wanted criminal to take over the sheriff's department because she can't handle to do it on her own. Which
1: is so fucking reflective of our own current reality. Can I just say of like competent woman just being like constantly denied the ability to lead in the face of people
0: that are like accused of sexual assault and shit like that like it's so fucked up and that's like that's what i wanted this to be about i wanted it to be talking about these issues and it it it, it presented itself as if it was going to as if it was going to be this woman's struggle in this world and this environment where everyone treats her like shit because she's a woman mm. but it doesn't become that it it becomes they're all correct and we need a man to come in and solve the problem and that's it just it was up. yeah it was so off-putting for the entire game and then like A couple missions in once they bring in uh oh what's his name the main character yeah Uh, this is how invested i was in the story honestly (laughs) he's the guy Uh, from the the first game yes okay uh the the main character uh jack boyd comes in and, and takes over everything and so you get these ideas of misogyny and these themes that are talked about that are presented as justifiable and accurate in the game, and then they just throw them all away, don't mention them again, and bring in Jack Boyd, and they're like, alright, the man's solving the problem now, we can ignore all the misogyny.
1: Thank god a man's on the job, that
0: woman didn't know
1: what she was doing.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly what the game is, and it sucks, it's like the the female character had such potential at the beginning, but then the the developers just made her weak and inferior, and incapable of leading and it just it it was so off-putting that like i i couldn't get past the misogyny in this game it it was very That's such a shame. Um yeah it is cuz like the gameplay and the mechanics were great it was really cool it was this combination of like resource management and like XCOM? controlling the police force yeah like xcom and like people wouldn't show up for work and you'd have to reprimand them and you'd have to like solve crimes in order to get the money to hire better sheriffs and like it—it it was really good and well designed, and then there was like this tactical part of the game where you commanded the police force directly in a top-down like RTS style thing, and yeah, it was good. It was a really good game, but the themes and ideas of misogyny that were presented and justified—just ugh—it it, was—it was—it was awful. R.E.P. I was excited about that game too. Yeah, I, I I, I, genuinely, on a good consciousness, cannot recommend anyone play this game unless, like, you just want to reaffirm dated ideology about the place of women in society. If you're cool with that, I guess. Yeah, Um. and, and, and as I said, I, I don't want people to get the wrong impression. I don't think Weepy Studios, like, I don't think they're misogynistic. I don't think they intend
1: Or that you're a misogynist if you enjoy the game
0: yeah, yeah, that too. You're not a misogynist if you enjoy the game. Like I like, obviously, we are taking a much deeper look at these video games than just like it was fun to play. Um, so mm-hmm. so we're just presenting you with the idea of like, hey, it talks about misogyny in a very fucked up way. Um, yeah, and and I don't think the studio is misogynistic. I don't think it was their intent to present women in this light. Uh I think it was just an accidental oversight. I think it was just a way to introduce the main character Jack Boyd from the other game back in. It was just a way of saying like oh we have an incompetent head sheriff like that can't do the job. What's what's a good way to justify that? Oh, she's a woman in society or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and so I I think it was just a result of of our current culture and not really thinking about the way the woman was being presented in the game. Mm. So I don't I don't think it was intentional at all. I don't want to like paint the developers in a negative light because they're all losers a... <laughs> and, and supporting these developers does not mean you're supporting this sort of ideology it just means maybe you are. Oh, supporting Satan if you support this developer my god <laughs> how dare you guys how dare you guys put money into things that you enjoy <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah I, I just wanted to be clear on that but like it, it's, it's problematic. I think it's a problematic game, honestly. It's good to and talk about. I, Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's sort of like women should be the Ubermensch, you know?
1: And on that note, <laughs> I just realized that that was a segue for me that you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Trouberbruk is up next. Uh, it's pronounced with an Uber as in Ubermensch. U- Trubabruk. Uh, It is by a German studio, their first game called BTF. This is a game for fans of old-school point-and-click adventure games uh, in the style of, say, um, more recently would be like Deponia, more old-school would be King's Quest. Uh, It's set in a sci-fi 1960s parallel world in a small town in Germany called Trubabruck. Uh, It has this really cool art style that I totally dig where they actually made like little uh physical dioramas out of like th- it looks like toys and like different like sculpting materials and then they they brought that to life with like a filmographer who who then transferred that into a video game space and i think that that's just such a unique way to sort of go about designing the visuals for a game that i really want to applaud that uh, it's sort of
0: like fmv but captured really well it's
1: like fmv but like wallace and gromit (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's like that stop motion animation like small scale set like sort of uh kubo and the two strings sort of like live action kind of 3d -hmm. modeling it's really cool uh give me one sec this is my cat this is my cat frankie
2: Frankie's going to be here
1: for this review now. Frankie. So, for Trooper Brook. <laughs> I say as I as I just like pet my cat. Um this story revolves around discovering the secrets uh, and intricacies of this small little German town while also trying to figure out who stole the main character's quantum physics notes cuz he's this like quantum Ooh. physics scientist and so he spends you the game my like interest hardcore. Yeah. So he's all about like uh uh, learning about, like, p- quantum worlds and parallel worlds and stuff like that, and um, the game revolves a-, a lot around those sort of ideas. Okay, cat's going away. Give me one sec. So, uh, without spoiling too much about the sort of minutiae of what ends up happening in the game, uh, you get to go into, like, the cellar of this sort of hotel and learn about, like, sort of the old uh, brewing m- things that they used to do. They have, like, this psychoactive mushroom that they used to put in, like, their uh, their drinks. And you get to, like, brew that. You get to sort of explore uh, this area that has, like, an aurora borealis. And it's, like, it never is explained why they have it there, but it's, like, not supposed to be there. Uh, I think it's partially because of one of the characters who you find out, uh, and this is spoiler territory here, uh, is, like, from another dimension. And the reason why he stole your quantum physics notes is that he's trying to create a portal to go
0: back. Um, Yo, this is some fringe shit we're getting into.
1: Yeah. So um, the, the story ends up getting into this situation where uh, one of the characters that you play earlier on, who's this girl named Gretcha, ends up betraying the main character. And uh, she, once she gets to the portal... Uh, makes her plans like made realized and she's actually there to travel to another dimension and find her mother who's apparently out there somewhere because she left a long time ago and she's trying to follow her like and sort of become rich I guess Um, Mm -hmm. and at the very end of the game you uh, get to the portal and you send her through it uh, and then you get the option to either follow the guy who was traveling dimensions or you stay with the knowledge that you have now that there are multiple dimensions and that there is science to be able to access them in the 1960s so you would be able to like potentially write about it as a quantum physicist which is what i ended up doing i stayed yeah because i was like holy fuck if i really found this out i would want to stay and write as many papers about it as i could like but it also gives you the option to be like you know fuck this world. There's too much shit going on. It's the 1960s in Germany and like that's sort of after this sort of uh that, that that's after uh, sort of the Nazi Germany thing happened and uh, things are kind of calming down, you know. <laughs>
0: what what a great way to describe the state of Germany after the fucking after the Nazi Germany thing happened, you know. You no, know, there's like a whole
1: thing. <laughs> it was like a whole big old thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the the economy is kind of like dying a little bit and like people aren't visiting it as much uh but there's still like interesting thing going on like a, a festival it's and,
0: almost yeah. as though when a economy is failing creating a scapegoat and blaming it on other people doesn't actually fix the failing economy whoa there's an idea dang mm.
1: <laughs> so uh there were a couple of questionable things about this game like uh there's just a lot of like puzzle solutions that sometimes are a little bit like really okay but that's with, like, most point-and-click games, so if you've done this before, then you know the drill. Uh, the only thing about this game that actually is kind of nice but also kind of bad in that is that it kind of does the Walking Deadification of its items, if you've ever played The Walking Dead. It's a very, very good game, very cinematic, uh, but it takes a lot of point-and-click uh, ideas and sort of uh, syst- like, makes them very simple. Like, you, you get an item, and then it tells you exactly where you have to use that item, and this game does that where uh, there's, like, an item wheel that, like, will pop up anytime you click on something, and you can see there, uh, like, if you can use the item that you have in your inventory there or not. The thing, I I wish that I could see the, like, the names of the items. I get, like, little photos of the items in my inventory, and that isn't always helpful. Like, little icons. You know, that's
0: really interesting, because the game I'm going to talk about later does the exact opposite to the extent of, like... (laughs) You can stare at a puzzle for 40 minutes and try to put everything in it.
1: Oh, really? I- I'm interested in mm-hmm. that. But, uh... Oh, and there's also just one small thing, which, like, it just bugged me, personally, as, like, a mechanic, is that I had to find a lighter at one point in the game, and it was, like, one of the final things that I had to find, and it was, like, this big thing, and I was like, Why? The main character lights a cigarette and smokes all the damn time in this game. <laughs> why the f- he has the lighter <laughs> you know like <laughs> he doesn't need to get another i don't get that
0: one of those little details that they just looked over yeah
1: that was a little weird but if you like slower paced point-and-click games you'll probably really enjoy this one i know i did
0: you know fuck chekhov's lighter <laughs> chekhov's lighter fucking hell uh oh, was that my segue into Driftland? Yeah, sure. Okay. Take uh speaking it. of uh Chekhov's Take It Lighter oh, <laughs> It's man. not even a segue.
1: <laughs> I just ended and I expected you to pick <laughs> it up.
0: <laughs> uh let's talk about Driftland, the magic revival. Um Whoa. this game. Ooh, there's wizards and pegasi and griffins and Actually, I think you fly on eagle the whole time. There aren't any of those other things, just the wizards. Way to lie, okay? Way to fucking lie. You know, creating false expectations to disappoint people later is sort of my specialty. It's kind of my kink. Yeah. So Driftland is a game by Star Drifters who made made, uh, previous Driftland games, and they are releasing Danger Scavenger coming soon, which is a top-down twin stick roguelike which looks really fascinating. <laughs> Completely different. Completely different. Because this game is a city manager. City Builder. Uh what what's the technical term for these? I think these it would days? just be city builder or city sim. City Builder? City, city sim? Management. Uh, yeah, it's a city. So so yeah, I was right, I guess. Um Uh and it it's uh based on the whole sort of fantasy trope of other races are bad and humans are great and uh, kill them all, you know. Woo! Um, Genocide. <laughs> traditional fantasy racism, you know. It's it's a really easy way to introduce the themes and ideas of racism in, that are in our real world to a broader audience because no one's afraid of elves like they are of Mexicans. Oh God. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh common trope, and they they lead into it. It's you've got you've got your war between the elves and the humans and the dwarves. And the overall storyline, uh, it's it's really kind of watered down. Like, the storyline, it, it seems like a game that included a story because games are supposed to include a story, not because they wanted to tell a story and built a game around it. Mm. Uh, it, it starts off like, the world has been destroyed because of a giant magic war, and now you, the next generation, have to rebuild it. Um, which is Which is kind of an interesting thing to talk about. You know, we're... A lot of us are up-and-coming, you know, Gen zers and millennials and stuff that are finding our way into a a world that's been inhabited by other people and some might say seems bleak and the responsibility to fix such is falling on our shoulders. So it, it, it's really interesting. You play as, like, a young mage who has been given magic back in this world that all the magic was wiped out of. So you're using your magic to fix and rebuild the world. So it's kind of an interesting talk about like, what do we do as young people in a broken world and how do we fix it? And is it our responsibility to fix it? Or, you know, do Mm. we leave it broken? And so it's it's interesting in that sense. But all together it's just a, you know, it's a fairly mundane city sim. It's got you've got to manage your resources to the extent of like having workers create gold versus workers create food. So you have to balance like your food production versus your gold production so that you can continue to make buildings. Um, It's a very uh, David, David said earlier, he wanted me to talk about it in relation to Frostpunk. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and so like in that sense, it's, it's a very capitalist look at a city manager, um, All of your resources have to be like bought or earned by your labor force and then your labor force can like get disgruntled if they're not receiving enough food and then they'll just stop working and if you're uh, I, I got a pop up this morning that I hadn't seen before and I don't know if it had any implications on the actual game I didn't see anything as a result of it but the pop up said workers are becoming to uh it was like workers are becoming upset about the amount of industrialization huh. <laughs> or something like that cuz i had just built a ton of like Backed. sawmills and mines and stuff to just like develop as many resources as possible and so i got this little pop up that was like they're getting tired of it and i don't know if it actually had any impact or anything i didn't see a direct result but it was interesting seeing the pop up like yeah. at least commenting or making a statement about the sort of industrialization of the world as i was developing it that to me is i think one of the most important
1: parts of city building planning management games is like the feedback that you get from like your people because i I remember playing uh tropico a lot and and one of the big things in that game is sort of like because everything you have to win like an election in order to stay in power so you have to keep the people happy otherwise you don't stay in power and you lose the game uh, and you have to sort of consider like the, the needs and wants of your people in relation. It's like it, it, in that sort of same vein, if you built like, way too many mines and just focus on production, then the environmentalism is going to go down the trash, and then everybody's going to get angry. Mm-hmm. So, so that's interesting to hear that it does have those sort of elements of, of like keeping the population sort of uh, happy and under control.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't know how deep those elements actually are, or if it's just sort of surface level commentary. Right. I, I personally didn't find a direct impact on things um other than the the commentary and the the management of the resources of like you'd lose the game if you couldn't provide enough food for your workers right right um so so it, it, it's interesting i i felt it was a little lackluster but it does have like multiplayer and stuff too and i think that's what that's what the game was really trying to do is ah. like let's make a city sim that we can play with each other that's, in this fantasy world that's very true it's kind of hard to find a fantasy city builder that's multiplayer that's quite a unique thing yeah, and I didn't get to try out the multiplayer or anything, but it, it, it did have the same of, like, uh, you build uh, the sort of, um, I, I, I don't know how the multiplayer played, but given the campaign missions and stuff, I imagine there's also a sort of RTS element to it. In that sense that, like, you you aren't necessarily cooperating, but you're working against the other groups as well, and, like, you can take over their castles and their lands and stuff. That's interesting okay um don't quote me on that i didn't play the multiplayer i i didn't even look up a video on it but <laughs> if the multiplayer <laughs> if the multiplayer is presented or playable in anything it, like the way the campaign was playable then it's it's most you know i should just google it real quick so i'm not <laughs> perpetuating like false information <laughs> just google like is driftlands multiplayer good question mark <laughs> You know, according to the internet, it seems dead anyways, so maybe not buy it for multiplayer.
1: Don't buy it But <laughs> to find... Okay,
0: so going back,
1: don't, don't buy this game expecting to find a lot of multiplayer lobbies, but if you have a buddy, you might be able to have uh, you know, some fun.
0: I really should probably try the multiplayer uh, in some of these games as we talk about them, because I'm not... I just I'm not big on multiplayer games like City Sims and stuff and I'm 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 personally more invested in like the storyline and the cultural impact I I personally am too and in some
1: cases it's quite hard for us to do that just because like the way that we do it is like we both get like the six games that the other person didn't and so like the rest of the games right now we're giving away and we don't really have room to like sort of get another game together for
0: like just playing it to be multiplayer so i found it there's both a co-op and a team multiplayer mode so you can do 2v2 or 3v3 and you can also play together to fight an enemy that's actually really
1: cool i like having a co-op mode there as well sometimes being against each other is just really stressful
0: yeah that seems like a very nice balance of of you can do whatever you want with your friends uh you can kill them or you can co-op them yeah um so yeah that's driftlands multiplayer uh it's got multiplayer if you're interested in that maybe it's something worth checking out i don't know if i'd expect to find servers uh can't speak on the validity of that because no. also I didn't try multiplayer. Yeah. Um, but you know, I like I, I like Frostpunk better. Not that this is a competition, Driftland, but like if we're gonna
1: stack all these together, we gotta kind of l- look at this as sort of like a um uh, a l- <laughs> uh, uh, uh 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 what's the word I'm looking for like a library? Yeah. Comparing and contrasting to the different things we have in our library here.
0: Exactly. We we create a baseline of judgment based on the things that we have seen and experienced in life and therefore or have covered on this podcast
1: even. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We we are taking your experience to be our experience. That's right. I I don't yeah. know. I don't know what we're talking about. Who the fuck cares? Sure. It's a good fantasy city sim if you want to play a fantasy city sim. Do you want me to just hop uh, right into the next game? <laughs> You know, but but one thing that was really cool was okay. seeing the capitalist model oh. in a city sim. Whoop!
1: Whoa! Just tossing that baton right over to me in a real gentle way. <laughs> uh, not at all forceful. Capitalism 2 is the next game on the docket here, folks. It is a game by Enlight Software Limited. They have previously made the first capitalism game, who would have guessed, and Zoo Empire. This is a game for fans of tycoon and sim games Though I warn you, this is an old-ass game. It runs, like, natively, 800 by 900, and you can't even change it. So it's stuck at that resolution, and you're just going to have to deal with it, unless you get, like, the capitalism lab mod, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, so, this is a perfect simulation, if you can call it perfect, an accurate, let's say, simulation of, of what uh, capitalism is as a system uh the sort of different means of buying and selling and uh supply and demand sort of systemized and put into a video game form wait that's capitalism, yeah, that's capitalism <laughs> <laughs> whoa bro uh the stock market and shit is fully uh completely integrated into this uh system. You can buy and sell stocks and do insider trading if you would like. Uh, I did that with my rival company. I bought a ton of his stock when he was a small company. And then uh, I sold a punch when I needed money myself, which then uh, caused his stock to just tank, which I love that that is a feature because that is a thing that happens all the time in the real world
0: stock market that I'm kind of now realizing. (laughs) Yo, the stock market is like the wild fucking west of making money. Straight it's up. so insane.
1: If you have like the the capital to sort of invest, you can like basically just control the entire system. You can just be like, oh, I want them to lose money. I want them to gain some
0: money. I want them to like. It's just fucking. It... Because for some reason, we as a society decided that a bunch of numbers on screen will dictate the success and profitability of all businesses across the world. I don't, I just. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So we're a bunch of socialists is what we're trying to say.
0: Uh Some rich guy invested 40% in your stock, that must mean it's good, so this business is good now. Yeah, man,
1: and just, like, this whole game is just sort of riddled with this, like, starry-eyed perception of what capitalism is. And, and like, like there's no stock market crash of 2008 or 2020 because of coronavirus, you know? Like, it doesn't have the actual, like, things that sort of happen in the real world that causes capitalism to fail, you know? The Capitalism Lab mod that I talked about before, I haven't gotten to play it, but it seems really interesting. Uh, It's made by one guy, uh, which I'm going to look up his name right now. Alright, so as I was saying, Capitalism Lab is developed by a guy by the name of Trevor Chan, and uh, this game has been released a lot more recently, and it has mods that, like, basically updated to the modern day if you can think of a company you can probably become that company in capitalism to lab uh
0: so amazon i can become brad's beat farm yeah
1: you can buy up all the beet farms you can and then you can sell the beats to all the different uh supply market uh like supermarkets
0: and then uh you know <laughs> and then they can buy out my beet farm so that they can regulate the price of beets and who gets to get receive them as distributors
1: correct and then you can buy up all the apartments in the uh, in the block and then become <laughs> everybody's uh, debtor so that's cool <laughs> the amount of money that you just kind of haphazardly toy with in this game is disgusting to me it actually disgusts me Like, like the first scenario in this game you're just managing a single supermarket and then like you uh use the money from that supermarket to open, like, as many more supermarkets as you can and, like, try to make a ton of money from that. But, like, it's just so gross. It, you have, like, $30 million, and it's like, you failed. You failed, idiot. You didn't get $2 billion. You're such a loser. You're not even in the one, top 100 billionaire club, asshole. And it's just, like, it just, I hate it. It, it like and like the, the the things that you do for like uh when when you fail like it's just like like you didn't achieve your goals and there's like this 3d model animated guy from the 90s just crying and slumped over and it's like is this really what you think that like a slightly less successful performing business is is that it's complete failure because like it's not Well,
0: i mean that, that that's what i i love about the the idea of this game is that like when it comes to being in the top 100 billionaires, yeah, the difference between like 6 billion and 3 billion is the difference of whether or not you control, you know, 40% of the fucking market or 6%. And
1: and, and, like you get, you see how much money you're like making per second and you can like speed it up like a million times. So If you just want to buy like a TV station, you just like choose like, all right, I'm just going to sit on my cash pile hoard for a while and then just let it accumulate and then buy the tv station that way i can use it to sell all my supermarket shit it's just it's wild man
0: oh it's insane uh oh, i i need to get this game
1: it, it, it's something that harvard economics experts use to illustrate to other people what capitalism is about so if that sounds like something that you are interested in By all means, please try this game. I would even recommend the Capitalism Lab game, because then you can start, like, playing as Amazon, buying out warehouses, and then just buying and selling and reselling shit. Uh, You could play as, like, a a Facebook e-commerce kind of company where you're making money from people's data, essentially. Like, you can make and uh, distribute, I guess, money and like, sort of whatever way you please and the 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 difference between being an entrepreneur in this game and being a venture capitalist is just like like it's like god mode versus like fucking scraping by by like the skin of your teeth mode it's just such a stark difference between like people who have money to start businesses versus people who are scraping by whatever they can to make a business happen
0: and to try to climb to the top Yeah, try to climb to the top it's achievable for everyone
1: bullshit the people who climb to the top are the people who already start out with the money man like (laughs) it's just illustrated so perfectly in this game that like i can't even bring myself to play it too much more just because it makes me feel gross as a person (laughs) and i just want to
0: reiterate a point that you made earlier this is a game that harvard economics use to show the actual model of capitalism. It
1: just sucks, man. It's not like I'm mean, someone finds this fun. I
0: know that they do because I watched a review of a guy who loved it. It was like his bible. But I could totally see it. Like like it is it is fascinating like the way capitalism works is is incredible and like the the amount of manipulation and deceit and like careful planning and orchestrating of markets and neighborhoods and cities to make to, to create the most amount of profit possible. It's, it's, it, it's, it's incredible, honestly. And it, but and it like, illustrates it's problems.
1: Po- it illustrates like problems that are in the real world, but it, it presents them as like a positive thing. Like, like, oh, if you want to make more money with your supermarket, make sure that you go to the area with more affluent people and, and then put it in there and, and just ignore all the people in less affluent areas. It's like, what?
0: <laughs> it, 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 and that's, that's the point is that like, it shows how inhuman and toxic and, and terrible capitalism is. Like, you, you have to have a certain mentality in order to be able to succeed in capitalism. And and part of that is that, like, a blatant disregard for people. People are not people. People are objects of profit and of
1: consumption. Yeah, man. And this game just boils it down to a, a, a graph of just, like, here is your exploitated your exploited resources and here is like your profit margin and make sure it's as high as possible. Good luck.
0: <laughs> it is uh oh, I love it. I love Yeah. I, I love just having that that, that that sort of representation exists and it's like anyone can play this. Anyone can the game's like $2 on Steam. Anyone can play this, anyone can you know, use it as a means to study the capitalist world around us because we all live in in a world that operates by the rules of the this game, capitalism which is, is like... Capitalism is a game. It's a system. It's a game.
1: <laughs> it's a fucking system that you can game. And that, that's what this game teaches me is that, like, if you don't realize that capitalism is a game that people are gaming, that you could be gaming if you just started with better resources, then, yep. like... I don't know. Socialism, man. That's what I'm saying. Uh,
0: you know, it, it 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 it's so much better. Yeah. We should all be judged by our social merit and not by the money in our pocket. Uh you know who is is thoroughly judged
1: based on everything he does. More in a point sort of system than anything else though.
0: Uh Agent 47? Yeah. Huh? Let's talk about Hitman. <laughs> yeah, two. Uh, Hitman Two, a game made by IO Interac- Interactive. Uh, they did the Oops All Hitman series, in which they produced or developed Hitman One and uh, Hitman Rogue Agent and Hitman uh, Frolicked through the fe- like. They've done like twelve Hitman games, um, and this game is a game where you play a very sneaky boy. And you sneak around and you kill people. Uh and Segue's, uh, you kill a lot of capitalists. Yeah, like a a a really good amount actually. Yeah, like predominantly this game is about murdering capitalists, which is like my cup of tea. <laughs> I mean I <laughs> I I love a good game where a billionaire gets their uh uh oh what's the word I'm looking for? Their um, comeuppance no comeuppance is a good one though uh so it's, it's a religious word oh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah religion um, into this into this hitman discussion this sacred <laughs> hitman you know discussion. i can't remember the world someone tell us what it is in a comment or something <laughs> uh i'm know. sure
1: you know more than i do i'm uh, sure that you understand it, johnny's it, brain better than johnny understands his own brain
0: yeah, no, I'm sure most people do. I don't know what's going on in there. Honestly, I feel like I don't have cognitive thought about 30% of the time. <laughs> okay, but um. but this, uh,
1: the, the idea that, like, that, 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 like, no one is kind of, like, above the law, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a huge theme in this game, is that, like, the, the game, you're playing a, a, um, an agent, uh, an assassin, uh, who's a hitman, one may say, mm-hmm. whose job is to kill members of a resurgent force that are threatening the group of capitalists in power. It's really interesting, mm-hmm. um, because you actually you play for the bad guys, the predominant majority of the game. Mm-hmm. You you're killing the capitalists that are revolting against the capitalists. It's it's super interesting, um, and so, it, but the the company you're working for uh they they have done all kinds of fucked up shit to get where they are and and control the amount of, and have the amount of power that they do uh you find out that the the handler you're working for she her parents were did, her parents got blown up in a car explosion uh when she was young because her dad was trying to hold the companies accountable for uh killing a bunch of people basically mm. um and so like like that is that is like the predominant motivation of the handler to get back at these groups is that like no one's above the law even these corporations even these people with all the power and all the money in the world who who determine and decide everything in our lives they're not above the law they should still be held to the same standards mm. um and it's super interesting and there there was this really interesting idea of like the consumer disconnect from the corporate agenda and and that idea of like uh there's there's a company who provided technology for the world right and super cool that's great everyone loved their technology but secretly they were making deals with the military to blow up you know civilians in other countries and stuff and like that that idea of, like, we as consumers don't understand what these corporations are actually doing, who they're actually working for, the other stuff that's going into play. Like, we, we don't hear about, we people don't talk about these things that corporations are doing beyond just, oh, they provided us with a product, and that's all they do.
1: There was, there was a mission where uh, you go to this uh, island full of a bunch of rich people in a castle, and they're all wearing masks, and it's like this secret society full of all of the billionaires in the world controlling everything.
0: Uh, and it's your job to, like, go in and
1: assassinate one of those rich people. And See, sort of... I didn't do
0: that. I didn't yeah. do that mission. But, like, those themes were everywhere. There was a mission where uh, three of the largest drug cartel members were on an island together. Mm. And um, it was really interesting, though, because, like, this is this is the beautiful imagery of, like, uh, one of the notes I wrote down for this is... Uh, why why do the criminals always have to be the ones that are saving us from the criminals? Like <laughs> it, it it it's a really interesting uh topic I wanted to talk about because like Al Capone and the drug cartels and the mob and stuff. These are Yakuza, all Yakuza, man. Yakuza. Yeah, these are these are criminal organizations that do real fucked up things. But the, the, the help and the things they're doing for their communities, 90% of the time are, are more than the corporations and the billionaires and other people have ever done for these communities. That's, that is why Al Capone didn't get snitched on is because he, he was a legend to these people. He brought communities out of poverty. He gave people jobs. He protected them when no one else would like that. That is what these people do. That is how they create movements is by helping the people who have suffered the most and those people, you know, it creates undying loyalty. And so, like, why why are these people the ones who always have to help us rather than, like, the billionaires and the corporations that are actually controlling everything? You know, I actually, just to add on to that, have you ever,
1: and just bring a little bit of topical sort of stuff going on, uh, have you heard about Brazil uh, and, like, the sort of things that are going on right there right now in sort of relation to this?
0: Uh, hit, bit, Bits and pieces. Fill us in.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, basically there the there have been really strict curfews that have been imposed by the gangs in brazil like the drug traffickers because of covid19 that like jair bolsonaro the the leader of brazil he's kind of denying the whole epidemic and and like sort of being very lax about everything and because of that militant like criminal organizations are stepping up to fulfill the place that law enforcement is supposed to fulfill
0: and that's like that is is mind-boggling like that is that is how the world works is like and and that's like oh it, we we can get into some buck wild shit of like corporate agendas and painting you know people who are doing really good things in a very negative light so that public perception of them is super negative um you know shit like that but like that that that's a little like out there from the topic right now um but yeah it, it it's and and that that to to circle this back to hitman that mission yeah. was about this was about this cartel coming to this island to this group of people um they're they're using the island to to uh uh traffic drugs and dro- grow cocaine and stuff but the the way they get their the island on their sides is they tell them like we are gonna protect you from your government. They're tyrannical, they're they're fucked up, they're killing your people, and we are here to save you from that. And we, as a group, can rise up against that and, and we'll protect you from them. And then as a player, what you do is you walk up to the leader of that, and then you push them off a cliff. Yeah, and then you fucking kill them because they're trying to help the people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it, it's really funny how, like, you are just, like, such an agent of chaos in this game that is so nonchalant and like you don't care necessarily about what's happening. Like you're you're oh, killing it's... a lot of influential people, but you're sort of like in a non influential like thing entity yourself. Like you're just sort of doing the things you're asked.
0: There was there was this beautiful line in there that was uh um It's a terrible thing to have a conscience. Huh. And that that that's that rings so true. And and back to capitalism. It's that idea of like if you care about your actions if you care about the people around you and the impact it has like it it holds you back in the world it really does
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it it's it's a terrible thing in our world to have a conscience it's a it's a great humanitarian thing but it only uh lets you down in business yep but we don't live in a humanitarian world we live in a world of business and numbers and capital yeah got got to raise those numbers man yeah. Uh I feel like I tangented way hard on this game. Um <laughs> hey, that's cool. I, I might but, as but... well just
1: bring it back to like the actual game game a little bit, because I've played a lot of this game myself. Uh yes. before this came out, uh for the Humble Monthly. And I also have a lot more like DLC sort of which that's a problem with this game. Yeah,
0: which I found I found that to be a huge problem is like the, the storyline's great. And, and right as the, the, the elite shadow organization that rules the world is about to get its justice and you're going to murder them. Pay up. Pay up. Yeah. If you want the final two missions to kill the capitalists, then pay up. The reason for that, like I get the, the, the problem
1: that I had with Hitman Two is that I think it's one of the best games ever made in one of the worst possible business models. Like, the way that they've released the first Hitman, and then also, consequently, the second Hitman, is sort of, like, episode, episodically. Like, they'll release, like, the first episode, and then you can buy just that episode, or you can buy, like, the whole thing. Uh, And then get it when it comes out. But they they did that with this game, and then they were also just kind of like, well, we need more money, and uh, we spent a lot of t- money on, like, the other stages. And we incorporated all of, like, the Hitman 1 stages into this game as well. So if you own the first game, then you get them all in this game. So, uh... We, we need more money for all the new stages. And uh, my, my, my friend was just all about it. He's like, oh, my God, yes, please take my money. I want more. Uh, but it took me a while to sort of work up the, the, the gusto to want to buy it. Like, I love every, every moment that i put into that game. And the, sort of the replaying it especially is one of the most uh, entertaining and rewarding aspects of it. Sort of learning the level layouts of each particular place. And at first it sort of feels impenetrable. Like, every place is impossible oh, it does. to sort of get God, into.
0: I, I failed so much at the start of all these missions.
1: But once you get used to the layout, it actually feels like this perfect little jungle that you can navigate perfectly and quickly. Like, you can run across one side of the map to the other within seconds if you know how to. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's sort of like the... Uh, I heard the Hitman 2 level design uh, as described, uh, similar to an Ikea, where it sort <laughs> of has, like, yeah, sections. Yeah, I can see that. Right. Where, where like you sort of wander through and it sort of it funnels you through like a like a mouse maze. But there are little holes in the maze that if you know the holes like employees do, then you can funnel your way around the whole place really easily. But it's just about learning those
0: little holes. Um, Something else I want to mention about this uh, that you kind of talked about in the play style of the game. Um, I found the Ludo narrative of this game to be one of the most clever and subtle and beautiful Ludo narratives I've ever played. Hmm. Because, and, and I think this might tie a little bit to why you enjoy the game so much, is that there's there's this idea this game it it takes you through a planning stage you have to learn these maps you have to learn every movement of the people you're tracking you have to learn every detail you have to be careful you have to be cunning you have to be be smart and and think about these things Mm -hmm. and and the whole idea it's it's bundled in this revolution like like you are you are revolting against these shadow people in power and and that blending that idea of like revolutions don't happen overnight like they take time, they take patience, they take understanding and compassion and thought and behind planning. Behind the scenes work, yeah. Behind the scenes work, right? If you just walk in with a gun and try to kill everyone, everyone around you is going to get hurt and you're going to end up dead. Mm-hmm. And so like that, that beautiful blending of this gameplay that takes just as much pace- patience, just as much planning, just as much insight as like a real revolution takes... It it just felt like every level felt like I was actually like involved and and pushing pushing the the um, movement there it is pushing the movement forward. Mm, gotcha, man. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I really dig those games, man. They're they're really fun, <laughs> super replayable too. And and I just wanted to mention also because uh, it's all cooperative. Because I've I played a little bit of this with my friend. There's like a Optional sniping mode, Then it, it, you have to pay a lot to play, like, all the different sniping missions, but uh, they're kind of fun. They're just, like, you sit there on, like, a sniping roost with, like, a buddy, and you just shoot a whole bunch of people, and, like, you have to solve puzzles to, like, get all of them killed without alerting everyone. Uh, there's, like, a wedding in, like, a dockyard. Uh, and there's also an optional multiplayer mode that, like, they haven't added too much to, but I really want them to do more with, where you basically compete with a ghost of another player to try to kill targets faster than the other person. And it is so cool and fun and unlike any other kind of multiplayer experience that I've ever played before. Uh, It's very hard, but uh, it's also just intoxicatingly fun. So,
0: enjoyed it. Uh, You know, one thing I found disappointing in this game is that there's no sort of, like, shop management or anything. Yeah, what the hell is up with that, huh? You know, this next
1: game has, like, so much shop management it's crazy and that's why it's my favorite game of all time shopkeep too baby it's from strange fire studios and they made shopkeep shocker there and craft keep uh this is for fans of shopping slash managerial games if you've ever heard of a game
0: called Reseteer, it is similar to that uh I'll your repertoire into... your repertoire of games is so exotic and interesting that Thank like you. you have a game to recommend and talk about for everything and i love that i video games are like my
1: favorite thing and i want to play a little bit of everything personally so <laughs> <laughs> i i i can't stand playing one game for too long personally but anyway
0: Same. uh i play game... my games like i play my relationships <laughs>
1: You know, I might as well talk a moment about Reciteer because of how similar it is. So Reciteer is a game, uh, it's very anime Ugu, so as, if you can get past that, uh, it's this really fun item shop management game where you sort of play as, like, the person in charge of an item shop in a traditional JRPG, so you uh, occasionally go out and, like, recruit uh, heroes to sort of fight in the dungeon for you to get more items to sell in your shop, uh, and you can more buy stuff from, like, the item supply as well to resell at a higher value, uh, and that sort of is super addicting in its own way. Uh, I, there's something about like just the the buying and reselling mechanic that is like weirdly addictive, and just seeing numbers go up and up and up. It's like a clicker. I don't know. I, I love it. And um, this game is very similar to that, but I, I'd say less polished game wise, and certainly uh, not as much of a looker if you call those anime aesthetics a looker. Uh, This game has, like, a very uh, sort of crude uh, 3D polygonal uh, Unity-type looking assets. Uh, The game, I mean, it looks unfinished, honestly. It's not very pretty, and the UI is very bad. Like, it took me a while to figure out how to buy things from furniture shop dealers because it's not, like, an inventory system like you do with everything else. You just have to stand there and hold a button. It's weird, man. Yeah... Uh, it's got this game is a lot of jank, but what I'm trying to get to is that I think that there's something cool here. I really enjoyed my time with it, actually weirdly. I spent like ten Ooh. hours playing it, and I didn't expect to spend that much time playing this game at all. remotely. that's how
0: I felt about my next game yeah, so i, I
1: started out a, a, as the werewolf uh where as in wares <laughs> <laughs> so i have like a like a like a fox sort of face outfit and like i got like a deviant art sort of hair color and like (laughs) and and like i'm naked also my my character was totally naked
0: oh my Uh, god that's so good
1: (laughs) so we we ran the wolf family in that honestly that pun is probably half of what kept me playing i just saw that character and it made me happy (laughs) oh so uh it revolves around your sort of little shop and the main mechanic of the game that allows you to progress is tax which so funny that capitalism 2 barely mentions tax and then this game is the central mechanic
0: Well, because that's what you get into buck wild shit with capitalism is that like the capitalism too was an unregulated representation of capitalism. You could just Mm -hmm. do whatever the fuck you wanted because there was no government to say, Hey, that's fucked up. Care about people. And like, Oh, but, but yeah, taxes are a way of like adding humanity to a capitalist system. It
1: really is. Like, uh, the only thing that's a little bit weird is that you set the rates yourself, but I mean, that's just like a gameplay thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, it starts out like really small with like copy pasted buildings everywhere, and like i it honestly like if that's all that you saw of the game, I wouldn't blame you for just turning it off uh but the town upgrades uh two to three times and it grows bigger and bigger with like more shops and upgrades uh you get like a blacksmith in town that helps you uh craft different things you get a cook that helps you assemble different cooking ingredients into like stews and stuff that you can sell at a higher price uh there's so an you're not
0: only you're not only managing your shop but you're also kind of managing the town
1: a little bit yeah it's kind of weird how much you're you're like a, a sort of in uh in access sort of mayor almost of, hmm. of the town because you you kind of decide and and help fund basically everything in the town uh and uh once you get the town up to like a, a certain high state well i was actually going to mention earlier the alchemist Uh, Because there you get to, like, craft potions and then, like, do a bunch of wizard stuff. And then eventually he unlocks, like, a farm for you where you get to, like, then go and, like, uh, raise, like, different uh, seeds and stuff. And, like, you can use the things from that and, like, other crafting recipes. And it's got, like, so much more depth than I ever expected going into it. Uh, The game really opens up once uh, it allows you to leave the city because you're kind of trapped in the city for a very long time. Uh, until you raise enough tax money to sort of open up the borders. And then you get to sort of explore around. Everything killed me until I found uh, a crab bow in an elven town uh, in a mailbox. So I I took that and I used it and I killed me some crabs who were previously wrecking the crap out of me and uh, started reselling crab meat. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything you do in this game eventually uh, boils back <laughs> down into re- re- selling things in your little uh, your little town. It
0: all goes back to crabitalism.
1: It does, man. It does. Uh, eventually, you start getting, like... I-, I-, I got to, like, the point where I had, like, really strong... Like, it was, like, a stone bow or something, and it one-shot, like, most things. And so combat was, like, no longer an issue. And really, it's, like, not even an issue anyway, because they all spawn in like very specific prerequisite locations and like don't ever wander away from those locations so you can just walk over and just kill them and then they respawn and kill them again and respawn it's like kind of lame in that sense and the world is yeah a little small it's got like kind of three sections with like a grassland area that you start out in and then a dwarven area uh outside of it uh with, like, a bunch of orcs and stuff, actually, and, like, barbarians. And then there's another area that's, like, for the elves, and it's, like, all blue, and they have uh, serpents, which are, I think, the hardest enemy in the game, but that's not saying much. Uh, (laughs) And, like, skeletons and stuff. Um... Eventually, you actually unlock the ability to start trading with factions, which is really interesting, and Hmm. I wish that they had incorporated it earlier into the game, because I felt like it was one of the cooler parts Where, like, if you buy more, uh, material from one faction than you do from another, then they'll get, like, increased reputation with you while the others will get decreased reputation with you. And so if you do that too much, then, like, what happened in my town is all the dwarves got mad at me for selling too much to the teleportation elves. And so, uh... Or I don't even know if they were elves. Just you the under, you undercut
0: the dwarf and the dwarven like cart industry that yeah. paid too <laughs> much to the teleportation industry.
1: Literally, I was like, if I can just teleport everywhere, then like, why? Like, but also <laughs> there, there was a, a journal that like uh, I wanted to get everything in, uh, which I almost did. I, I almost checked out every single thing in the journal. And that was one of the things, was you had to make a teleporter thing. So I just, like, literally to get the achievement, I just made a horrible relationship with the other two factions and sold exclusively to the one. But that caused the dwarves to show up in my town offering people free boots to kick my tables with. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> it's really cool the way that, like, the game sort of reacts to you in a sort of systemic way, and then another thing that I found out that was way cool later on when I was just buying and selling all of this, like, wizard shit, because I had, like, all of these, like, uh, uh, staves and, like, wizard robes that I kept trying to sell to get increased reputation with these folks, I realized that I had oversold and that everyone in town had one now and no one would buy it at the regular price. So I had to start undercutting my own prices and oh, I had to no. start selling it like a 40 to, to 60% loss in order to get anybody to even buy it and get them off my shelf so I can get the increased like rating with these people. Uh,
0: Holy shit, that's so cool.
1: And there's another mechanic that I don't know for sure if it actually (laughs) became, like, influential. But, like, you can kill people who steal things from your shop. You can kill anyone, really, if you want to. It's just that people will get a little bit more mad and not want to buy your stuff as much. Uh, Which, that's sort of a, a weird element of the game that I'm not always super comfortable with. But I killed so many people that stole things from me so fucking often that, like, I'm pretty sure I reduced the entire population of the town... And, like, less people showed up to buy things from me. Like, even once huh. I got my reputation back up. So it was, like, Because more they were beneficial. afraid that
0: you'd just say they stole something and you'd yeah. kill them.
1: It was more beneficial to hit people, just smack them with my weak little hammer rather than, like, my one-shot thing because that would make them just drop the item and walk away. You punish
0: uh, them. You don't kill them.
1: Exactly. And, like, that was mm. sort of an interesting little... An interesting little thought bubble right there that came to me. And so, like, that's why, like, the more time that i put into this game then the more that i actually found myself really really enjoying it and liking it uh because it just builds and it sort of expands and like this beautiful little flower that you didn't expect to expand um yeah so it, it's much more wholesome because of that tax element and you like actually building sort of a community rather than like just this massive media mogul empire just for the sake of your own wealth it, it, it's uh a neat little game i i don't know that i'd recommend it over here, especially just for like a single player experience uh because if you just want to experience the sort of like item shop sim i feel like that's just a better game it's just better built um but the fact that this is like all done in like real time and it's like multiplayer also it, it's i hear it doesn't work very well but you can do like direct connect um i feel like that would actually be like a really fun experience and i would love to try that at some point but other than so that so you wouldn't
0: yeah. You wouldn't recommend it over race a tier, but would you recommend it as a pick for the bundle?
1: For a pick for the bundle, sure. I, I think that if you're into item shop management games and you want to, if, if you have time and you're okay with trying something a little bit new and dealing with some jank, then I think you're going to have some fun. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's hidden in the mire, man. It, it, you have to dig for the, the gym.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, like a lot of digging, you know? Like a lot of, speaking of digging for the gym. Oh, is there digging uh, in this game? No, there's not, but... Uh, <laughs> I, no, okay. uh, no, I have a segue. I have a segue. Okay, okay. I have a segue. Uh, okay, build it. Digging, digging for the gym of great narrative buried in a classic fantasy race trope. That is a stretch, but I'll take it. Okay. The Bard's Tale 4, Director's Cut. Uh, this is a game by In Exile. Uh, they did wastelands and torment and the bard's tale one through three, I think. Um, fact check that, David. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll look that up. No, no. Let's be real. I doubt they would have made the bard's tale one and then just jumped to the bard's tale four. They're well, not like the avant garde.
1: Actually, shocks me about in, in exile is that they're a developer actually that I know about and I really like. I, I contributed to their Kickstarter
0: for wasteland two. Oh hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They're um, okay. So this game, right. It's, it's a, a turn-based RPG, uh, a fantasy RPG, um, with like that sort of early two thousands RPG style of like, I don't know if this is bad or just charming. Um, uh, and it, it, like, it, it hits immediately on the classic fantasy trope. And we talked a little bit about this in, uh, Driftlands or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and in that idea of like, Uh, other races are bad and humans are, are the best. Um, immediately the game starts out, you're, you're standing in front of, uh, uh, an execution thing and you watch, um, a whole bunch of other races like orcs and dwarves and stuff just get killed. Uh, and they immediately start preaching this idea of like the dwarves and these old races are terrible. We need to kill them all. They're the cause of all the harm in the world. Um, and so immediately I was like, ah, great! It's another fantasy story about race, because um, we don't have enough of those. Thanks, Tolkien. <laughs> uh, and but but it immediately opens up, and and I found this game incredible because it it talks about pertinent issues that are going on right now, ne- like like right fucking now, uh, because it it doesn't just talk about race. Uh, it does it in a real nuanced way, in the sense of shifting blame and and using other races and people as scapegoats for crises um and it's something we're seeing right now in the world we live in uh there was there was this fucking quote that just like stuck with me hard while i was playing this game and it was until the mayhem all they did was preach now they want to wipe us out Mm. and that that one sentence alone says so much. It's it's that fucking idea of like we're going to preach against this group of people until there's an event that we can blame on them to use it as an excuse to kill them. And that like <laughs> I I I will I will say that sentence again just so you can think about yeah, I please. you know, I don't wanna come out and blatantly say anything, but like just think about the implications that our real world is having. With COVID um, and all that. yeah like until the mayhem all they did was preach now they want to wipe us out like that's such a fucking powerful sentence that just resonates with the world and the state of affairs right now. And, and this idea that like existence is a crime, like it is criminal to be you and it is your fault. This other group of people's fault that we're in the situation we're in now, not our own fault. We, we didn't fuck up in any manner. You know, it's, it's entirely their fault. Right. They get all the blame. And now we're coming for you we, because you heard us. We call it the Chinese coronavirus because we don't want to
1: have to think about the fact that America is really fucking up the response to coronavirus right now
0: yeah and it just like uh it it it, it's so beautiful and i like 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 the game was not written as a response to this situation the game was written as a response to the way we respond to situations like Mm. this is this is this is a reoccurring thing that continuously happens i mean just uh um at, how did you put it uh the you know the whole nazi thing you know the nazi germany <laughs> no, thing that whole thing. that whole situation did the same exact thing in an economic crisis they picked a group of people they they blamed them for it they used it as a situ as as a means to demonize hurt and harm this other group of people and like it, it it's so powerful and resonates so well with what's happening today that like if you don't understand the way that, that media and society and uh the world around us uses these other people and and these situations and scapegoats um play play this game because you can you can actively see it in a very in a distant manner that like is is refreshing and like it, it doesn't make you feel at fault it doesn't make you feel um, like you're doing something wrong, or or the, like you're complicit, or anything. It it it's, it's just using a different model to show something that actually occurs, and and you can see it in these characters that are scared and terrified that were just minding their own business when their inn gets kicked down and burnt because they happen to be a different group of people, even though they had nothing to do with the situation that happened and nothing to do with with the changes in the world. Crisis
1: just um, drives people to do that kind of thing, huh?
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it it's it's incredible, and like, oh, it 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 just it's yeah, like <laughs> just just go play this fucking game, cause like, and and think think about the world as you're playing this game, and 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 paint those metaphors and paint. I I don't want to be the one to tell you exactly what you should take away from this game, or and I don't want it to like like influence what what you receive while you're playing it. But but keep an open mind and think about the the mirrors and the images and the representation of our real world in this and like it is abundantly clear and and like oh don't let us become them yeah like yeah. <laughs> now, now one, it's scary one thing that I was a little
1: bit curious about uh, with regards to this is that it does have a mixed uh, review on Steam and and do you want yeah why is that talk a little bit
0: about the gameplay yeah. um, <laughs> okay uh because because i have not mentioned that at all it's true <laughs> this has all been kind of very very in the
1: air kind of talk uh
0: yeah the gameplay it's a turn-based rpg so you do rpg things you gear up your your creatures your your people your 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 party um you find you find equipment uh you and and the combat is turn-based it's it's really cool it was enlightening on my uh opinions on turn-based games and the ones that i enjoy and the ones that i don't uh, Baxter and I talked a little bit about this before the podcast in that I made the realization that I like turn-based games that add, m- that allow you to, uh, think about movement and placement hmm. of your, of your people, because that, that adds some sort of like thought and some sort of like practice that, that there, it's more of a chess game and less of a point or a, a button mashing game, you know? Right, right. Um, It it actually makes your decisions have a little more impact than just like, did I Google the right ability to use? (laughs) Which Um. is
1: a lot of the times what JRPGs can and and just RPGs in general can often boil down to of just like, well, use the right spell at the right time and you're good. Which is why
0: I hated Octopath Traveler, but that's another discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man.
1: Very, Very traditional sort of JRPG.
0: Yeah, uh, I get so much crap because I say I hated that game, but it was bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, but yeah, so, some
1: people can just like distance themselves from the mechanics of those sort of games and just enjoy the story. And I can't do that. It's fair.
0: I I imagine there's something sort of like meditative about being able to just like sit there and follow the story and just sort of like passively play the game. Right. Um, and so for
1: some people, it, like it doesn't even matter like what the gameplay is if the story's good.
0: Exactly, and and that's the sense. And but I mean, Octopath Traveler's story wasn't a great, but that's a, <laughs> that's a <laughs> narrative. <nervous laughs> <laughs> it's eight tutorials disguised as a grand RPG, but that's a different
1: thing. <laughs> damn, damn, um, some fucking octopath traveler shit. Let's hope yeah, we don't have to review make- it. I, I'll
0: take that one. <laughs> oh please. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. It, it It's like you, you have control of the movement, which, which add a, added a lot of really cool elements of like, oh, I can place a person here to block an attack so that my weaker guys can survive, or I can make this guy go invisible and block the front lane because no one can attack back. Um, There was a lot of really cool elements to the movement and troop placement. Uh, Like you could, you it got as far as like I would teleport enemies in front of the line of attack of other enemies so that they would take the damage from it. Hmm. Super cool. Yeah,
2: that is yeah. cool.
0: Um, so there, there was a lot of depth in that. And so turn-based RPG, but as you said, a lot of mixed reviews. Um, it took me probably four hours to even get this game to run. (laughs) Uh, so (laughs) damn, so I'm going to start with that. Like, like there are a lot of technical difficulties in this game. I had to install it three times to finally get it to launch. Um, there are like, I I was juggling between controls and key mouse and keyboard, uh, controls, uh, controller controls and mouse and keyboard gamepad that's what they're called um and like there were a couple areas where like things glitched and i had to change settings to get it back to normal and stuff um so yeah there's there's a lot of weirdness and bugs in the game uh enemies you can't tell you can't tell how difficult an enemy is until you're within a certain range of them but probably about eighty percent of the time, when you got within that range, uh, they would just automatically trigger the fight. So you, you you die a lot just wondering like, can I fight these guys? Oh nope, I can't. I'm dead. Mm. Um, so th- there's a lot of that, and and it is, it is a turn based RPG with a ton of puzzles. It is predominantly a puzzle game. That's cool. Um. Ev- yeah, there's like there's cog puzzles. You have to like every almost every door you go through, you have to solve a puzzle to get through. Um, the whole the whole f- like second area is uh an archmage's like castle, and every room is a puzzle that you have to solve. Still uh, there are
2: huh.
0: yeah, well, not even like traps, most of the puzzles aren't harmful. It like you can solve them wrong multiple times, it's just like they're just puzzles, you just have to solve a puzzle. Um, there's all kinds of riddles, like, like little, uh, statues that you have to put the right item in, in order to get through. Uh, but the, the statue, the only hit you have is a riddle in the statue. Um, and so you have to like solve those. Like one of them was, uh, um, uh, the components of, uh, health makes someone lively in life or something like that. And so you have to put the components of a health potion into it in order to solve it. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of little puzzles throughout the entire game. Even, <laughs> even there are weapons you can find that have puzzles on the hilts to unlock their power.
2: Huh. That's um, cool. <laughs> so, what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. Like it is, it is just riddled with puzzles. And if you like puzzles, it's super fun because like every corner, it's like, oh, cool. A new puzzle to solve. It's
1: the fucking Professor's Layton of RPGs. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Um and, and a lot of people did not like that. A lot of people were expecting to play probably something more akin to a traditional turn-based RPG, mm-hmm. and they get in there and every room's a puzzle and like, I can't
1: figure <laughs> out how to progress.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so that that's that's part of the reason for the mixed reviews, huh. is a lot of people weren't expecting it to be so puzzle oriented.
1: That's interesting. I, I would ask if the previous games were like that, but I'm sure you have no idea.
0: You know? I can't speak to it. But <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I I would probably assume yes, sure. you know? I I I doubt they'd make a huge departure from the sort of mechanics and gameplay that made the first four games, you know? Like why would they pick this one to go? Oh, let's do a bunch of puzzles in. <laughs> right, right. It would be kind of odd. Yeah.
1: Although I guess it would
0: explain <laughs> it, it would explain yeah. the oh we didn't think there'd be puzzles if all of a sudden they were like hey let's make this one a puzzle game god could you imagine if you're um, just
1: playing call of duty and then suddenly it's got like a professor layton
0: puzzle <laughs> god oh i want that so bad just the next call of duty is just like fucking straight puzzles <laughs> the
1: entire single player is just puzzles <laughs> you have to arrange the different uh cars in order to arrange for like the the terrorist getaway like you have to like... I
0: mean, wouldn't you say all Call of Duties are the puzzle of which bullet you put in which part of the
1: enemy? I mean, they basically are. If you want to look at it from that kind of systemic point of view, like it's it's just like a oh, I solved a puzzle by by clicking on the guy in the head. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, I mean. uh,
0: yeah. So that was that was the Bard's Tale. Um, phenomenal game. Oh, oh, I really wanted to talk about this because. Uh, you know, we we talk about the ludo narrative of games. Yeah, and, hit and it. I I had David help me with this because I I was struggling a bit to find the words to describe the ludo narrative of this game. Yeah, please. and why I feel like a turn based RPG fit this rather than like an action game.
1: Because you don't always love turn based, really. Like I've, as we discussed no, with Octopath.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I am I am a very hard person to sell a turn based game on. Uh, it's it's got to be good. Um, and I I think it's because like. The reason they chose turn-based RPG um, is probably because, like, there's there's a sort of immediate like visualization of the cause and effect of your actions. Like, and, and your actions and choices impact the game in a different way than like in an action game does. Uh, because, like, did I make the choice the right choice to have my character use this move rather than that move? Did I make the right choice in giving them a certain gear? uh things like that like your your choices and actions feel like they have more impact than a game based in skill rather than like thought mm. and and I think when you're presenting a game about the themes and ideas of the way we think about other people and other races and the way we respond to people in crises and stuff I think a turn-based game gives that beautiful visu- visualization of the cause and effect it's like um There are, it's a conversation, as David beautifully said earlier, with your character.
1: It's Um, part of the reason why I like Undertale so much and why I think it's so revolutionary is because it sees that JRPG-like mechanics and and that sort of turn-based sort of system has very much a lot to do with just traditional conversations. You know, you, you give one thing, the other person gives one thing, and then you give something back, and then they give something back, and it's just a conversation, a back and forth.
0: Yeah, and and so, like, making this a turn-based game is a great way of, like, telling you as the player, hey, think about the way your actions are impacting people. Think about the way, the things you say and do, what it causes, and how it affects the people around you. Think about how you're responding in a crisis, and is that appropriate? Are you going to get the correct results out of it? Or perhaps maybe your, your immediate thought of, of one path, your immediate thought of one action, your immediate way of solving this puzzle isn't correct maybe you need to go back and think about it
1: that's cool man i really like games that do that kind of force you to think about things in a different perspective
0: yeah i i phenomenal game get it it may take you three hours to get it to load (laughs) it may bug on you a lot you may get some crashes but like oh especially right now if we were in any other place in the world right now i probably would not have paid this game any attention but especially right now with the state of things like play this game. So this is a good quarantine game is what you're saying. A hundred percent. Hell yeah. I love it. Well, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, unfortunately I do. I do have some bad things to say. Oh Really? Please. Yeah. There were no dinosaurs. Like I just wanted dinosaurs. Why aren't there dinosaurs in a fantasy game? You know, i have the perfect game for you if what you
1: want is dinosaurs well oh tell me more i have to ask do you like dinosaurs or do you like murdering dinosaurs
0: oh the only good dinosaur is a dead dinosaur well my
1: friend i have good news for you turok 2 seeds of evil is included in this month's bundle and this is another game from Iguana Entertainment and Night Dive Studios. Indeed, the same developers of the first Turok on the original N64 and PC. So this is, uh, I would say a port, but I guess it did actually come out on PC also, like, simultaneously. So it's it's a modern day uh, port of it from the original game. So uh, it is very similar to the first game uh, in, that's, in that it is a very old school 90s first person shooter with low poly, blurry textures. Uh, I will say that the enemies uh, were actually quite larger, uh, and I went back just to double check. Uh, they're all like really bulky. They look like World of Warcraft characters, if you know what I'm talking about, and how they just sort of have like mm. these comical proportions about their limbs. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know. It, it's something about that, like, it kind of places it so specifically in like a period of time in the late 90s to me. Uh okay so I did enjoy this game but I don't think that I enjoyed it actually as much as the first and I might as well just kind of start with that because there's just so many options that the first game has to modern day players that the second game does uh not have uh such as mod support and in- in- integrated steam workshop support is so freaking cool and it elongates the longevity of a game so much to me uh, I went back and played the original Turok just for comparison, and uh, I played it with a uh, Turok Plus mod this time that changed uh some of the uh like uh weapons that you get in the early beginning of the game and just like the balance of it and like some of the the different like values associated. And and I actually had like a really good time playing that with the HD textures too. Uh, the one thing that I will say is for some reason it made my video go like crazy. Uh, When I was recording it, it somehow took up like 130 gigabytes, just like the one file for footage of like an hour of playing it with the HD mod. That's insane. I have never experienced that with any other game, but I guess just because of like how motion intensive it is, like, man, I don't know what happened there, but just the file size was so large that I had to stop recording at a certain point, which is a shame because I didn't record possibly the coolest boss in all of video games, a fucking Hummer. Uh, I wish I got to that point the real dinosaur I wish I got to that point in the first Turok but like you get to this point where you you fight this fucking Hummer you you blow up the first Hummer then another Hummer comes out you blow up that Hummer and then there's this Englishman with like a funny hat and you kill him (laughs) like that's the first boss (laughs) of the game
0: (laughs) that's that is so good. <laughs> it's
1: The first game is just so weird in so many different, like, sort of cheesy ways like that, and it does uh, jive with me in that sense. There's also a lot more first-person platforming segments, which I know not everyone's a fan of, but I kind of have a weird soft spot in my heart for them, and the first <laughs> game has a lot of it, so just know that. Uh, <laughs> and also, interestingly, something that I noticed that actually made me fall in love with the first game more is that there's no aiming reticle, and I... I was struggling to figure out why I was able to play one game with a controller and the other game felt so odd to me and like I had to play on mouse and keyboard, and it was the reticle that did it. I swear, it's just like the fact that you have this tiny little dot on screen that it makes you want to be more precise with the movement. Uh, I I have like a Steam controller, so it is a a little more precise than other controllers, but uh, it just was so much more fun to me to play Turok 1 with a controller uh, than it was to play it uh, any other way, because uh, I just kind of like aiming was more of a challenge it was like oh around the center of the screen pop 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 they're dead i don't know it's just something satisfying to that about having to sort of guesstimate uh, around where you're aiming rather than being told exactly where you're aiming it turns it to be like a point and click puzzle to be like what feels like more like a first person shooter i don't know yeah so in that sense i definitely enjoyed the first game uh more but the second game it's got a lot going for it still uh it's got more of a uh sort of Better presentation about it, I'd say. Uh the areas look a little bit more uh diverse and unique, although that isn't really saying much. It all blends together still a lot for me. And backtracking is a definitely a challenge because it's hard to tell when I've been in a place and when I haven't without just like going crazy. I mean the map tells you like where you've been, but it doesn't tell you like where the items that you're looking for are. So you just have to wander around the map for a really long time. And there's no way to look at an expanded version of the map, just like a radar-esque version of what the map is around you. So it, 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 it's it's hard to play any longer than like the first couple of zones because there's so much backtracking and looking around in that sense.
0: Yeah. But for a couple of hours,
1: for a nice fun evening, playing an older game that uh, you might not have played before, I felt like it was a really enjoyable experience. Just uh, not one that I would recommend to anyone by any means. It's more for fans of, those old '90s, uh, old school shooters, and specifically fans of Turok. Hell yeah. You know uh, <laughs> what's funny is that I keep doing this thing where like I'll just get to my last point and then I'll stop, <laughs> and then I won't even like provide you with an uh, with a, with a segue. So how about this? Um, you know we're working on our segue game. We gotta we gotta keep at it. <laughs> uh, w- w- uh,
0: Ah, uh, yeah, zaktronics Uh, so yeah, he's a guy. Our final game this week. We've made it to the end. Uh, congratulations, everyone. We started it. We're ending it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a journey. This this bundle hasn't it? Jeez. Yeah. Um, our final game. One might say is the uh magnum opus. It is. Ah, oh, no, opus magnum. It's his best game
1: ever made because that's what it it's, uh, it, is, it says on the tin, right?
0: I mean, yeah, one one would expect a game with the name Opus Magnum would be a declaration of the developer's Magnum Opus, right? And it has to have um, solitaire, right? It has to have solitaire. Oh my god, there it is. Did you figure
1: it out? It does it have solitaire? MullocSint has had solitaire, his, we didn't mention it.
0: No, his Opus Magnum his Oh yeah, it did have MullockSynths has solitaire, uh, important note. Um but Opus Magnum. Editor's note. Right? That's what it is. It's his magnum opus. He made his own s- version of Solitaire. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's not about the game. It's about the mini game within the game.
2: <laughs> oh.
0: there, there, is this, uh, there is this sort of version. Um, he foregoed Solitaire instead for a uh, sort of like, it's a match to uh, Mahjong style kind of game. Yeah. Um, which is close to Solitaire uh <laughs> but but it, no
1: it's... i like your earlier point the game itself is the solitaire it's his magnum opus solitaire he he this made his it. own version of solitaire and this is it
0: um and well this is this is a Zachatronics game uh for those very good fans and lovers of Zachatronics, um never gonna not recommend one of these games because so good uh in this one it's it's a it's another it's the gameplay is almost the exact same as Moloch Sense. You're doing the same thing just with different icons. Uh in, in fact, you're you're um transmuting instead of uh mushing together. I don't know the technical term. I'm not a chemist. I'm an arts major. Um Mush- <laughs> chemical reactions that 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 you you synthesize. You synthesize. Thank you. That's the word I was looking yes. for. Um you're you're transmuting instead of synthesizing. Uh and uh it's the storyline of this game is uh totally not like Mulloksin's. Uh there's like there's a deep storyline, there's cutscenes, uh, et cetera. Um not that Mullocksin's storyline isn't deep, but uh it is it is that it is a presented storyline. Um and it's all about aristocracy and ruling classes and uh the overthrowing this is this is what i think our theme was this week um maybe i don't know if it was as present in your game possibly uh because you you dealt with the systems themselves my games all seem to deal with Mm -hmm. the overthrowing of dated systems and uh powers um or at least the predominant majority of my games I can kind of deal with more like capitulating to those powers. I don't know. Yeah, so there's the sort of dichotomy in these games of overthrowing the powers and the powers that be. Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but yeah, it's it's all about like uh you you play as a an alchemist for one of the ruling houses in this world. Um, and shortly after you graduate school, you get a job there, and you become a member of of their their aristocracy but but very shortly after like one set of missions in they get overthrown by one of the other houses um they they kill your leader and you guys run off and flee uh and then the game becomes about creating a resistance to overthrow the group that overthrew your house um because in the end these were your friends these were the people you cared about these were the people that provided you with a job and like you and the other folks that worked there for a while decide that, like, fuck those guys. They did something super fucked up. Let's get them back. Um. So you you overthrow the group that overthrew you. <laughs> um. And so it's interesting. It's 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 this whole idea of like, um. I I added a lot of like it it it, it hits. This game hits so many different themes that have been in dozens, all these other Zachtronics games and sort of mashes them together in one. It's really interesting. Um, There's the idea of like half the stuff you're transmuting is medicine to help the, the, the group that you were working for to begin with. You're providing them with like hangover cures and you're providing them with like confidence potions and stuff like that. So that they like to help them with their issues and to provide the medicine um it's it it's really funny because like half the shit you give them is just like water and booze, and you tell them it's some magic cure <laughs> which which brings this like great great question of like do we trust the people that say it works like I mean it does work, like water will cure a hangover, and booze will make you more confident, but like you were expecting some sort of magic cure-all, and they just gave you, like, this thing that works. Um, I mean, and, like, and the it's... thing is, is
1: that I know people like that in real life, because I went to a lot of trade shows, and there are people <laughs> that just sell you water, because normal people just don't drink water a lot sometimes. They just forget, and then when they are sold it again later as a miracle cure, it works
0: because they just don't drink enough water in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, 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 there's that idea of like, do we trust the people that are giving us these cures because they say it works when like it's probably just a placebo or something we should be having anyways that's being marketed and sold to us as a magic cure all or a fix. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that there's these really cool, interesting, interesting themes on like medicine and and uh those sort of industries. Uh, but then it hits these ideas of like the rich and there's a line in there that's like the rich don't understand the struggles of the common folk like you Mm. as a character want to help out the city and the people but the rich people were like nah we don't need to help them they'll be fine basically um so so it's this really interesting thing of like well they need something and we can provide it but why aren't we like your your character goes through that dilemma and asks those questions uh and you pretty much get the answer of like no we need those people to be oppressed kind of um
1: I'm curious then. What is the Opus Magnum?
0: <laughs> what is it? Um, see. I, I, it's a long game. There, there are like six chapters, and I made yeah. it to chapter four. So I, I didn't finish. So I don't know what the entire storyline's about. Okay. Um, but my, my guess, I mean, it's is is that's what it's developing to is you're you're creating the Opus Magnum. You're probably mm. creating. Um, what, I, I don't know what happens when you overthrow this, this government, or if it gets that far as overthrowing the aristocracy or whatever that overthrew you, um, but, but I'm assuming that's what it's building up to, is this sort of, like, idealized version of, you're getting here, this is, this is the world now, we've created the ultimate cure for everything, or whatever, um, and now we live in peace. I, I, I don't know, that's, that is just an interpretation of what might be happening, um, which I think is kind of interesting, because that gives you some insight of the way the game has been playing, and my thought process as, as to where I'm at. Um, so I, I don't know what the opus magnum is supposed to be in this game. Uh, I, I don't know if the opus magnum is supposed to be the, the, the machinery, the process, the transmutation of one thing into another, the ability to, to create and, and destroy inlet, like whatever we need. Um, I, I don't know if it's that, I don't know if it's the the opus magnum of like the ideas cuz that so much is hit on the ideas of education and the way we use education as a tool to empower us and as a tool to oppress people and and so i don't know maybe the opus magnum is is the enlightenment we receive and the ability to use that knowledge for a better purpose um i it, it, it's really interesting that's a great question and i i don't know yet um yeah
1: <laughs> hey man i hear you it sounds like a really rad game, and also uh, easier to get into than his previous games, from what I've
0: heard. Whoa, whoa! There's okay. I'm a I'm a blow your mind here for a second. Yeah, there's a whole ass tutorial in this game. No way! They didn't even
1: do a PDF
0: this time. No PDF there there is like six tutorial missions that you go through that teach you how to play this game one step at a time, which wow, I was blown away by It It was the most intricate Zachtronics tutorial I've ever played, and it <laughs> set me up for success in that game. Like I felt smart, I felt nice. like I knew what I was doing, and like my machines were efficient and great, and like oh, loved it. Great Hell tutorial. Yeah um now now that's to say i i think there's a lot of merit in the way that Zachtronics just like throws you in the deep end in most of his games um but but yeah it's, it is a great great entry to the series just like mullick synths and like entry into his work and his development and it, it, it's it's much more parsable and you actually understand what you're doing 90 percent of the time which is great was there a um,
1: tutorial in mullick
0: uh, like a like like an expected Zachtronics tutorial. Like, there's one mission that's like, all right, this is how you place things. Go. Oh, and, that, and then and then you're just good, and then you're good and then, then you're just good. That's all you need. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah, and and in a sense, you you don't need much more of that. And honestly, this game Opus Magnum probably didn't need much more of that. Um, because uh, I found separate from the games like uh Exaponks or uh IO, it it. There's a sort of visualization to the coding that you do in this game. It reminds me a lot of, like, the Unreal Engine's Blueprint editors uh, because you, you actually see the cause and effect immediately, right? You don't type a line and then question if that line was doing something wrong, if you used the right syntax, if, it, you know, you typed in the right numbers, whatever. Um, it, it's very immediately immediate. You add, a, you add a button that says right, and you can watch the thing move right, and you can go, oh, I did that wrong, I needed left, and switch it out for a left. Um, so it, 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 it's very visual and it's less Cody and heady. And so I, I think it's a lot easier to parse that sort of code done as a visual language rather than a syntax based language. Right, right. And he kind of does a little bit of both in his games, uh, which I, I like that he's sort of has so many different ways of approaching the same sort of ideas absolutely which is kind of interesting cuz like one of the things he hits on is like the ideas of doing things the old way versus the new way and and seeing that presented Uh, I just came to this realization in his literal games in that idea of like, we have done coding for so long as syntax as like lines of code that we put on a piece of paper, or on a computer that says this is what we do. That's the old way of doing it. Now we have visual code and we can have a a little right arrow that just says right and the right means to do this thing in in an order that's right. And that's the new way of coding and like, Perhaps That's- the new way is better than the old way because it's more accessible and more people can do it, and and it brings more people in. And now that it, it's less as ha- it's not as hard to understand and comprehend, it makes it more available for everyone, and and that availability allows more creation.
1: That, it's talking like like what you're saying it's talking about video games in general. Like I, I think about like the, the the system that like you have been toying with, uh the 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 unreal engine and how it has like the drag and drop programming system and like (laughs) how much of our world is going (laughs) to be determined by drag and drop type systems in the future like like
0: yeah exactly you don't you don't need to understand the complexity because we have the tools to make it simple and easy and there's nothing wrong with that like don't demonize that don't don't say that's a bad way of doing that because it's more effective it gets more people involved like Uh, that's fascinating it's really interesting i i I just made that connection right now with the old ways versus the new ways and and literally seeing that dichotomy in his games and and with coding itself and that's i i think that's fucking genius zach i don't know if you're doing that on purpose but if not it's fucking genius zach buddy you're a genius you're fucking genius (laughs) <laughs> we we're sucking
1: your dick here come on on a podcast we're waiting for you we're, <laughs> come on <laughs> i, I want to talk
0: about this and the future of, of of coding and technology and like what are we gonna do when oh our worlds God. are automated um it's fucking gatekeeping right like you keep things done in a in a hard to understand complex confusing syntax and it makes it less accessible for more people so so more people end up unable to fulfill the roles uh that we need when it comes to automation like if yeah. no one can code then only six people get to code hmm. and then it gets I like don't know. it gets held into like the sort of elites like yeah oh man this is Oh, we're getting real deep into this. I fucking love it. Uh, there was yeah. there was this great great quote in his thing that like, uh, the the, the good students spent time studying modern techniques, not historical ones. Um, that's and I, so I think, true, man. I think that's so valid and so true. Like, ugh, I <laughs> I like, have you, this. You
1: can learn and so, only so much from like learning from history because. Uh, you know we outgrow history like a lot exactly. of exactly i <laughs> we, we, yeah i mean go ahead go ahead
0: oh i i i i i have this very um adamant belief uh and and i might catch a lot of flack for this but but i believe it and i think it's true that history is a tool of oppression mm. Um, We we teach certain things, we teach them a certain way in order to keep people behaving and acting in certain ways, right? Like, like we don't teach that Martin Luther King was a socialist, we teach that he was a a radical... you know, racial, racially charged, uh, free thinker. Not, not that he was a socialist and believed capitalism was a tool of oppression and that we used minorities as scapegoats for that oppression so that we could keep labor low and stuff like that. Like we don't, we don't teach that because we don't want people to know the flaws of the system. We don't want people to think that thinking that way is good. So, so the history we use, the the things we teach, it's all designed to control people in a certain way. Like I I think about like gay erasure
1: and, like, the the idea that, like, uh, an entire, like, sect of people that, like, it totally exists now, so obviously they would have existed hundreds of years ago, like, and then just wiped from history books because modern-day historians decided they didn't want to write about it because it was right, a little like, gross. Like... <laughs>
0: the The whole idea that we teach that that the whole paleo Paleolithic era was done with a uh, a uh, uh, like supply and demand trading when there's literally like no evidence of it and we just made that assumption that because we used a capitalist model they must have too. But you'd assume that if someone was trading six grains of wa- rice for three bottles of water that they'd have documented that somewhere, but no one did.
1: Yeah, no, nah, I <laughs> mean. It it it's just like how we think about history is rooted so much in how we interpret the present.
0: Uh, yeah, and and so like that idea of the more time you spend studying the historical methods and tools and stuff, it, it it it's the more that you are being stuck in that box. Like study what's happening now, study the modern times, study and respond to that and that is what makes you a, a a better creator a a smarter thinker like like that is that is what's more important than looking back is looking at current times living on the current And the way we're doing like, things now cuz there's yeah. so
1: much of the human experience that's changing with technology and I feel like you have to go with the times in order to like keep up with it like VR like, is ugh. so huge right now and it wasn't a couple years ago and like mm-hmm.
0: just the we we have access to the entirety of human knowledge in our pockets like
1: mm-hmm.
0: like that is something that 10 15 20 years ago no one could have imagined and so I have like a calculator how... in my pocket fuck you eighth grade math teacher <laughs> <laughs> so so like like learning to do math by hand literally does you no good you will never be in a situation where you don't have a calculator teach people the modern tools rather than old tools like
1: <laughs> yeah
0: shit man uh, I, I, another huge tangent man we are going off on them this that this, was this episode a
1: hell of a tangent uh, I mean like I'm I, just gonna say before we move on to the extras uh, do, do oh you, you just cut it? out hard oh, what be- was that before we move on to the extras here I just wanted to ask do you
0: recommend it do you recommend
1: uh, Opus Magnum
0: I do I will never not recommend a Zachatronics game they are incredible this man is fucking Picasso of a generation and people don't even realize it yet Dude, he made Minecraft and no one even knows. He made, he made Minecraft and no one
1: even knows. Dude, this guy's great. Uh, but you know who else is great? The Divinoid developers. <laughs> 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 it's gonna go right into the extras for this month. There are a couple of free things that you got. One of them uh, was Divinoids, uh, made by Catpad. Uh, it is a rogue white rampage style beat-em-up game where you play as mecha space gods and you destroy everything on a whole entire solar system worth of planets. It's awesome! It's so fun to play as a bad guy, especially, like, the super bad guy, and just explode <laughs> everything. It's like, I don't know if you ever played Rampage, but, like, those old-school games where it's just all about destroying buildings and destroying things, it's just cathartic, man. It's like knocking over a bunch of dominoes.
0: Uh, To the super young <laughs> listeners, Rampage the movie was based off the Rampage game. And if you go back and play the Rampage game, your response will be, How the hell did they make a movie based on this? It is just an ape smashing a building. I said that about Battleship.
1: I don't know how that ever happened.
0: <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near you. Connect 4 the movie. Candyland the movie. Yo, Candyland would be a good horror film. Oh, fuck. Shoots and Ladders, a horror
1: movie. (laughs) You don't know where the shoots and ladders go. (laughs) Okay, but anyway, back to Divinoids. So uh, there's only like three characters, but they're all really fun to play as. One of them is like Medusa, uh, and she has this alternate form where she can turn into a snake and slither up buildings. Uh, Another character is like a mecha dude, and he can turn into a, a lion and jump around. Uh, and then the final person is, like, this pharaoh dude who has, like, this long-distance beam, and, uh, his other form is, like, a phoenix. So every character has, like, sort of, like, a, a standstill, like, long-range projectile-type mode, and also, like, a really fast melee mode where they can use to kind of, like, maneuver themselves and jump around, uh, and go to the all- go and jump through all the different buildings to destroy them. Uh, this game has, like, character building and progression a little bit, uh, and when you die, you start over from the beginning, uh and it also has that sort of like binding of Isaac thing where you unlock more as you go. Uh or, I actually I'd say it's almost more like Risk of Rain, really, where like there's like this more items that you can unlock that you'll find on later playthroughs of the game. Or or mm. options to start off on like later planets as opposed to an earlier planet. Uh I like that. Yeah. And just have I it... Oh sorry.
0: I don't think I've ever mentioned, but roguelikes and roguelites are my favorite fucking genre. Just so yeah. you know.
1: Oh, totally. You gotta play this game, man. And it, it like, Switch release when? Because this is such a perfect game for the Switch with its co-op multiplayer aspect, too. I just am waiting for this game to come out on Switch because I will absolutely play the shit out of it. Uh, it's, this game doesn't have much to say in terms of story, but it's just, like, a good time, man. I loved it. The Switch is such a good roguelike machine. It is, especially for co-op roguelikes, man. Oh, yeah. and the other game that we got here is also a roguelike, uh, but it's a much different one. This one is called Ring of Pain. It's just a demo that's developed by Simon Boxer and Twice Different, who are soon to be releasing a game called Dungeon Experience that's completely unrelated. Uh, This is a roguelite card-based dungeon crawler. Uh, I love
0: these games. Yeah. Uh, I was playing so much Slay the Spire when it came out. Oh, yeah? You'd probably love this
1: game then, honestly.
0: Let's hit it. Let's hear about it real quick.
1: I don't know uh, how to describe this game too much other than, like, you sort of have, like, two cards to pick from on, like, the left and the right. And uh, you kind of have to, like, uh, eliminate cards on either side until you get to an exit. Um, So if you have, like, an enemy on your right, you can click on it, and then you'll fight it, and then that'll reduce your health a little bit. But then you have a chance of, like, running into health potions or different things like that. Uh, Hmm. And you sort of equip your character and sort them out in a whole bunch of different things until you get to the end of the ring And then you go off against this, like, uh, sort of final challenge, uh, which I I can't recall what it was, actually, off the top of my head. But I did do it after, like, two or three tries. It wasn't too hard. Uh, The only thing is that it kind of is a little bit more reliant on uh, uh, randomness rather than skill. I I think once you learn how to play optimally, it's just kind of a a game of, like, playing it over and over again until you get, like, the right sort of uh, drops that you need. Uh, Like a lot
0: of roguelikes, honestly
1: yeah but i I mean for a card-based one especially like with no gameplay other than just sort of like picking and choosing i I didn't jive with me as much but if that sounds like the kind of thing that you'd be into i wholly recommend trying this game out i mean it took like a couple of minutes for me to play and it was a great little distraction for like 30 minutes so absolutely give it a try do
0: you think this was more of like a proof of concept kind of demo thing than less necessarily like a full-fledged game Like, they have this idea that they want to implement in something larger, probably? That's
1: probably it. Uh, They have, like, a Steam page, and this goes for Divinoids as well. they both got uh, Discord, Steam, and Twitter links uh, that you can go and, like, follow them on all the different places to sort of see the development and sort of watch how it's uh, going along so far. Uh, But, yeah, uh, I wasn't super into
0: it. I feel like other people would be. Okay. Well, that's it. We got to the end. Jesus. Uh <laughs> Sorry for the tangents and all the 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 discussion of today's times and what's going on like. That's fine. But these games, I mean, I think that's that's such a powerful like image of these games and how good they are. Like th- this bundle especially and like what they're doing and talking about and like it's a good month, I think. I really enjoy uh just having
1: games that I've never heard about thrown onto my plate and asked to play them. Like I really yeah. dig that because I would not have played most of these games otherwise.
0: Absolutely. I I never would have tried out Bard's Tale and like
1: yeah. fuck. Shopkeep I never would have touched it with a thousand yard pull. Uh but I, <laughs> I liked it a lot. <laughs> uh so top games of the month? Top games of the month. Uh I'm gonna be a bastard and pick your game which is Hitman two. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. I I think Hitman 2 has a lot of merit to be the top game, um, so but good. I just given everything in the world, I have to say The Bard's Tale 4 like play that game and think about our actions. That shocks me, man. I I, would, I never expected that,
1: especially after you told me how long it took you to like even start playing the game. I would have never expected it to be turned out to be like your game of the month.
0: I fully picked up the game expecting to play it for 20 minutes, put it down and then just say it was all right. Uh but it it sucked me in. I I've been itching to play it more, honestly.
1: That's cool. Man. I just
0: yeah. I, I want these stupid paladins to get their comeuppance.
1: <laughs> and I'm still gonna get around to playing the final act of Nightcall at some point as well. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> told myself cut. I was gonna do that, but yeah, like from the first episode, uh, that was yeah the thing that I touched on that I said I wanted to come back to. I still have it installed. Still want to go back to it. <laughs> what else have you been playing this month? Ah, well, there's another kind of visual novel game that I've been playing, which is uh, Phoenix Wright Spirits of Justice. It's a game that my brother has on his 3DS, uh, downloaded, and because I'm living with him in close quarters, now is the best time possible to play from his ds so I've been uh, going through that. I'm on the final chapter, and that game is super cool. It's all about, like, these trials in a a country where, like... uh, defense lawyers are given the same sentence as the people that they are defending. And so it's like a huge risk to try to defend anyone. And no one's defended anyone in like 20 years since the act was first announced. So it's got like really high stakes and I love the, the characters in it. Uh, I have since I was a kid, I love detective games like that. So that that's been my jam, but also animal crossing. Yeah, fair enough. I'm still working on my communist hell in animal crossing. Yeah. We both got a communist hell going on. Well, actually yours more hell than mine. Mine is very, Uh, you know,
0: I like to say mine's paradise, but... Production
1: paradise.
0: <laughs> it's, it's efficient as fuck, it's... I'll tell you what. You scare me, okay? Like... <laughs> <laughs> The, Look, the I understand the capitalist model. I get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, like every room of your house is terrifying to me, for, for different reasons.
0: Yo, I just, I just revised my top room. It's so great. Oh, it is no. just a Scrooge McDuck vault now. <laughs> it's got, it's got a beautiful money floor. It's got golden walls, <laughs> and it's got piles of ninety-nine thousand bells just across the whole fucking thing. Oh God, you
1: capitalist bastard! And <laughs> fucking time traveling cheating bastard too
0: i didn't time travel i only time traveled for you no i got fucking lucky on my first stock market week wow
1: i actually i had no idea i thought that you were like manipulating the stock market but now that i think about it there's no real way to do that and if you're only playing with one person
0: i farmed my ass off to make one million bells by the first weekend i (sighs) spent it all on the stock market and my first fucking wednesday I, I, yeah, and my first Wednesday, <laughs> the motherfucker sold, it for fucking 600 bells, and I was like, cool, done, I beat god. Animal Crossing.
1: Meanwhile, in my town, my bells never reach above fucking 55, I swear to oh, god. Oh, oh,
0: I have, I have paid for it dearly. The only way I've been able to sell my bells in the next few weeks have been, like, going to friends places, like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fucking hell, man, that's so funny, though.
0: Yeah, so I I just accumulated a small fortune, invested it entirely to begin with, and got rich. And now I never have to worry about money again. There you go, man. There you go. Figuring things Um, out. But I've been playing a shit ton of Warzone, too. Yeah. I've been playing a little bit of that with you, too. I tried it out for the first time. Yeah, it was so much... We got a win on our, like, second game. Yeah, that was cool. What the hell? It was so good. We fucking killed it. And, like, oh, I love that game. It's so much fun. Battle Royales are amazing. We need more of them. I'm
1: actually not a big fan of Battle Royales, believe it or not. Um, I love, like, as a literary genre, the idea of a Battle Royale. It's, like, actually one of my favorite concepts to, like, read about. Uh, Yeah. Like, Battle Royale is, like, one of my favorite movies. Uh, Not necessarily, like, my favorite, but it's up there. Uh, And it's just, like, violent, bloody, entertaining. and bunch of kids forced to kill each so, other.
0: Is 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 the reason you don't like the video game Battle Royale just because like it's like first person shooter genre, or you don't like the like loot and, and gear up, or is it just like it lacks a storyline?
1: I think there's two things. Uh the first thing is that there's just not enough going on at any given point. Mm-hmm. Uh and to an extent that's like a good thing. Like it it adds like a thriller sort of aspect to it. Like that's yeah. what Fair Unknowns is really good for. But at the same time, I just hate the feeling of being sniped from across the map and having no real control over it, and, like, Mm. just having, like, such a long period of suspense lead to such a disappointing sort of end. Okay, Uh, that's fair. So, in in that sense, and also, like, I I often end up dying, and so it's very stressful, Uh, and (laughs) I really like Warzone because you're basically always doing something. Mm -hmm. When you die, you have the option to come back at the Gulag, and, like, you know, if you actually die later, then you can have a chance to be resurrected later. And it's like, your party is never fully down until everyone's
0: down. And, I like and even when you're dead, you can just, like, watch the map and ping enemies for people and stuff. Yeah, so you can still be helpful. Yeah, it's great. So. I, I think it fixes a lot of issues that some of the other games have had in the Battle Royale genre. I I love it. I've been playing way too much of it. Uh, But <laughs> we got to get those dubs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We got some free stuff. Free stuff to yeah. look out for. All right, now, now the part that you all have skipped to. Uh, here's the free games.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that there'll be somebody eventually that just skips all, only to these. But I mean, it'll be the thing is, it'll be outdated at a certain point. So I mean, really- I,
0: I add links to all the free shit in the description, so like if they're listening, then they're listening, because like they could just if find it in the link. They're listening, then just go to the description. Yeah. We appreciate. Oh, I want to do something this week. Um, I I just thought of this idea. We're gonna throw it in if you're cool with it. Really? Hit me with it um you know i want to pose a question to our listeners okay like a discussion question i like yeah that. yeah like a, like a hit us up with your answers and and we'll we'll chat about them a little bit on uh, the next episode and and you hit know us up on our discord and on our twitter and we'll talk about what we talked about exactly uh the question i want to pose this week is uh totally unrelated to Ludo narratives and philosophical discussions um we had a lot of sequels and like the fourth and the fifth and the second. And like, what game do you want to see with another one made? Oh, I already have an answer. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it this week?
1: What's your answer? I mean, this is just my answer, so <laughs> What is it? it is because of a Twitter poll that came up recently that was like, which of these franchises would you resurrect? Ape Escape. <laughs> I would resurrect Ape Escape so oh. fucking quick and so fucking hard. I love the Ape
0: Escape games. I miss Dude. Ape Escape. Those games were so good. You want to know what mine is? Yeah. Viva Piñata. Oh, you're yeah, a Viva Pinata stan. Oh, those games are good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, shoot us a comment. Leave a post in our in our show discussion on the Discord. Uh, what what game do you guys want to see another one made for the franchise? Uh, yeah. Maybe if we create a coalition, we can bug enough developers to make Viva Pinata two. We'll start a petition. Uh, a free game petition. All right. Um. So th- this week, Unreal Store has Just Cause Four and Wheels of Aurelia. uh Coming up next is For the King. Ooh, I don't like know Just what it 4. is. That's a good get. I I wasn't crazy about Just
1: Cause. I I like the Just Cause games in multiplayer the most. Uh, which is funny Fair. because only like two I think is multiplayer. But like, it is so fun to go on like road trips with friends.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, you want to hit up the next ones? Sure. Uh,
1: PSN's Stay at Home uh, campaign that they have going on, which you actually, I think, know more than I do, but they're giving away <laughs> the Uncharted collection in Journey? What?
0: What? That's like a good... What? That's awesome. I love those both of those games. Phenomenal games to stay at home with. Like... Yeah. I never played Journey, but I'm going to now, so like, if anyone wants to hit us up, I will drop oh. my gamer tag in the show the <laughs> description, too. You actually Not can't. Gamertag, uh, PSN. You can't do that.
1: Journey uh, is unique because the multiplayer they only show you the gamer
0: tags after you're done playing. Oh, fair point. Fair point. See, I've never played it, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. It, it
1: matches you with random people, and the only way you can communicate with them is just like little pings. So, like, love it. It makes multiplayer bearable because you don't hear like a 14 year old teenager or like an angsty, uh, like 54 year old or whatever on the other side of the line, like uh bringing down like the the whole experience it's just like the pure experience of having someone else there and just like going on a journey with them i love that
0: so wholesome um xbox right now is giving out crackdown crackdown 2 and 2 human and i figured a notable note uh since hitman 2 was one of the games this week android has hitman go uh, for free right now as well so that's really cool actually i didn't know that if you want to hit that up, uh, it's another—it's mobile hitman, so why not? Um, yeah. There's an article on GameSpot that we'll link in the show description with a whole list of like 40 free games right now. Um, it's also in our uh, Unfettered Commodities channel in the Discord, so if you want to join and check it out there. Uh, yeah, lots of free shit right now.
1: Corporations
0: yeah. are having our backs a little bit, I guess. Kind of uh, giving you
1: entertainment to keep you going in the midst of this uh, crazy, insane global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, Other than that
0: though—that's been the show, man. Did we figure out an outro? I feel like we talked about something last week, but we I forgot keep... what it was.
1: You know, I don't remember what it was either. Like, fuck. Maybe
0: it was no. Do you think? Do you think we could just? Ended? I su- no, I swear we came up with something really good, and I was like, I want to do that. That's a genius idea. It was your idea. It was, a idea.
1: It, was a, it. It was a genius idea because it came from me, and because of that, it is also gone because my uh, brain
0: keeps information. No, uh, but I'm a hundred percent. You sent it to me on Discord, so I'm scrolling through our Discord <laughs> chat right now to find it. Okay, cool. I'll just sit here until you find it.
1: Oh my god oh my god i can't believe we forgot i can't believe it we forgot to plug ourselves dude oh Jesus! Oh my god. no uh, dude okay uh uh you have to follow us on twitter you have to follow us on uh the re- re- reddit do we have reddit
0: yet we have a reddit we have a yes okay we have a reddit
1: yeah we, we have, go follow us on the reddit go follow us on uh, discord and then follow us uh and, and like and comment and subscribe
0: like, like comments. Oh, 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 oh! Shit. Uh, um, oh, um, yeah. giveaways. Giveaways. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, every every month we're gonna give away some games from the bundle. Uh, tweet at Bundle Bourgeoisie uh, for a chance to win a game. Fuck. Um, uh, fuck. What else? Uh, uh, uh stay, stay classy, Chicago.